On today's show, for the first time together, Howard welcomes rock icons Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. And Harry Farrell and Jane's Addiction. Live from the Sirius XM Garage in Los Angeles. Let's get loud. Oh my God. This is going to be good. Only on today's Howard Stern Show. Gonna be good. Uh, I gotta wake up. I don't drink. That announcer saying, "Let's get loud." It's gonna get loud. Didn't wake you up? No. Had the opposite effect. It put me asleep. (laughs) I'm exhausted. I don't know. I I fell asleep nine thirty. Woke up around five thirty. But the alarm woke me. I hate when the alarm wakes me. You usually wake up before the alarm? Yeah. I always feel like I missed out on some portion of sleep that I needed, a very important (laughs) portion. And uh, I don't know, I'm just groggy and sleepy. I want to go back to bed, you know? But, you know, I'll go on with the show. I I get it. Well, yeah. I know. I know show business. Got to go on with the show. That's what I'm going to do. That's right. It's a very special show. It's a special show. <laughs> yeah, I love Billy Corgan and I love Perry Farrell. Two of my favorite rock stars, if you want to call them that. Um, and I love Perry's wife, Etty Lou. Etty. Perry if you're a rock star, when do you know you're a rock star? Like, Do you know it? You know it? You know it. You know when you are. <laughs> Etty. It's like... <laughs> Etty you know was. Uh, yeah. God, I gotta wake up for those guys. I don't want to be half asleep when they. By the time they get here, I'll be up. Uh, you don't have any coffee. You can't have tea. No. Can you have tea? No, no stimulus whatsoever. Oh, hey, it's the show announcer. How are you, Howard? I told you to get loud. Let's get loud. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty good promo you did there. Let's get loud. I got to get Come loud. Come on, Stern. Don't fuck up my beautiful announcing. Get All that right, energy I... up. Oh, get lost. <laughs> he thinks he's so cool, that announcer. I know. Like, let's get loud. It sounds so With his weird deep voice. voice. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he's all cool with his voice. <laughs> Mr. Announcer. Okay. Let's say good morning to George from Alaska, all the way in Alaska. How exciting. How you doing, George? Hey, now. Hey, hey now. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, now. I'm a former radio DJ and current dishwasher, so kind of the opposite of your trajectory path there. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, ever saw the movie I, Private, if you ever saw the movie Private Parts, where uh, I told my life story, I went from dishwasher... Two, well, actually, I, I I don't portray that part of my life when I was a dishwasher, but I did start out as a dishwasher, and then I became a famous DJ. And you point out you were a famous DJ, and now you're a dishwasher. What? Oh, which, by the way, oh, your yeah, story is, is a hard word. Your story is the real story of radio. You know, most of the guys I knew in radio, especially the good ones, they all ended up kind of 
in a shitty financial situation or right. in another business. It's a rough fucking business. I I tell the kids that, and I don't say it. And you know, and then they'll, like a kid will say to me, "Well, yeah, well, you did really well," and, blah, 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 blah. and I go, "Yeah, but I'm not the I'm the exception, not the rule." Well, of- can I tell you also, we have a very similar background. Uh, the reason I'm calling in, you talked about it yesterday. You talked about dishwashing. You talked about your experience in college. And I felt like I had to call in this morning because I also have a uh, degree in communications. I did terrible in high school, barely made it out you know, with my degree in high school, got my degree in communications in college, and then started in college radio, and I did a bunch of shows. I tried to spend every minute I could not studying in the radio studio. Um, I did a death metal show. I did um, a techno show called uh, Teenage Lobotomy. My death metal one was called uh, The Wasteland. Very generic, but I went from there. I did uh, some local radio. All right, all right. And then I got Listen, uh, George, oh, yeah, sorry. I could see you. why Thank you... you. Uh, it's a little Is boring. Is he working here. on his version of private yeah. parts? Or yeah, well, when your movie you're right, comes you're out, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> The point, you, the initial point you made is uh, is true that a lot of guys who went into radio and they don't have a backup plan end up, uh, you know, Bubba the Love Sponge, who I love and, and think is a tremendous talent. He now drives for DoorDash, and he's one of their best drivers. Actually, he does. He get five there. stars. <laughs> he get, well, he gets the food. That he even said he usually gets the food there before anybody like 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 if, if it says 10 minutes he'll get there in five minutes he's fucking oh he's incredible. beating the time oh my yeah he's like a race car driver doordash guy he's here that's DoorDash what he guy. loves about it that you know he can race to his destination which job pays you more george is it the dishwashing or being a dj in alaska i would think dishwashing dishwashing easily i got financially abused in radio right uh, it was, it was, they were telling me, you know, you, you get to be on the air and take $10 an hour on salary with all the overtime we tell you to do, or you can not be on the air and suck it. That was pretty much what they told me. So what would you bring home a week as a radio DJ? Oh man, a week, about $400. And what'd you, what are you bringing home as a dishwasher? Well, I'm only working part-time at the moment. I'm trying to find other work. Right now, I'm only bringing home about 200 a week. But I'm, right. I'm in a pretty fortunate situation in that way. But I am making more as a dishwasher if I was doing it full-time. Right, right, right. But Jesus. it's some of the happiest I've ever been, and that's what you talked about when you were a dishwasher. Yep. You it. do the thing, you make things clean, you go home, everyone tells you you did a great job, and you feel good at the end of the day. Yep, yep. I'm telling you, I would have stayed in the dishwashing game. If I could have made uh, the kind of money I'm making on radio, I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's way more satisfying thing. And, and quite frankly, way more useful to society than this shit is. <laughs> well, I uh, still want to be, you know, I, I wish I could have done that. I wish that I hadn't been abused. My whole dream as a kid was being on the radio, being on the air. And luckily I got to do my own morning show. I got to clash that off my bucket list. But now I got to do real jobs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the story of radio. And, you know, the best part of dishwashing for me was there were no ratings. God, when the ratings used to come out of radio. <laughs> and not, nine times out of ten, I'd be number one in the market. But when the ratings would come out, you just would shit your pants. It was just not a good feeling. It was like, oh, I hope my ratings don't go down. There were times I'd be number one and I'd walk around depressed all day for two reasons. I was like, like if the previous ratings I had a nine, let's say, a nine. And then let's say it went to an 8.9. 
and I lost a, a little tenth no, of a I, point, I would I would walk around and go, why did I go down? Meanwhile, it, it was it statistically it was exactly the same thing, but it would yeah. would make me insane. I would be like, it's impossible. I I did such great shows. What do you mean I'm an eight point nine? I was a nine before, and then and it was um, still number one. No, I, it wasn't like you had changed yeah. that position. And then I'd get depressed because I think, oh no, I this is the start of another ratings period, and now I got to do it all over again. It's it's just a horrible. My, you know, oh sorry, I'm, I'm not on the same level you are as far as ratings, or I never was. I mean to say, but one interesting thing that happened to me was it turned out the show I was doing was doing really good with women. This was a very you know, hyper-masculine rock station. But uh, my, my hour was doing great with women, and they pulled me aside, and they told me that women are dangerous, that having women listeners is dangerous to their station. And I thought that was disgusting. Well, first of all, it's so stupid. I, I got the same kind of speech. They told me not to take female callers because men don't want to hear women. Wow. It makes you sound, sound quote-unquote gay. I said, really? I yeah, said, I'm yeah, a dude. Exactly. I like that, that's what they told I me. I said, too. I'm a dude. I like I like talking to women. I'd rather talk to women than men. But uh, yeah, day. it's all these crazy theories because program directors want to seem like they got something going on and they know something more <laughs> than you know. They want to. But it's like also not research. wanting to change. If nobody ever did yeah. it, why do it? It must be wrong. Yeah. Hey, George, if you don't mind staying on the line, uh, Bubba wants to ask you some uh, dishwashing questions. Go ahead, Bubba. Is he thinking of going into <laughs> yeah. that role? Yeah, Bubba. Hey, Howard. Hey, Howard. You got to give me this guy George's number, buddy. What? You got a dishwashing deal for me, buddy? Hey, I'll do the dishwashing deal. I'll, I'll do the freaking mopping caper. I'll yeah, do but you're doing DoorDash. Do, buddy. Come on. Why would you? Why would you give up DoorDash? Howard, we got to supplement the deal. Howard, you know us friggin' radio guys, and you'll be in the exception, but we got friggin' financially bent over, backwards, backdoor Willie cul-de-sac Willie, buddy. So I got to do all I can. Hey, George, how about how about we get Diaco and 25 Cent on the deal? We'll come down. We'll do all the right. Uh, the, the call There'll be a whole the team of dishwashers. <laughs> yeah. radio, former radio <laughs> DJ dishwashers. <laughs> Hey, can I get you some know some of the, the guys real quick about washing dishes? Hold on one second. Fast. Some of the uh, hold on a second. So I don't sure. have the strength to yell at you. Some of the guys <laughs> um, that work with me were such losers. Like 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 Richard Christie. He was telling me he applied for a dishwashing job when he was eighteen years old and he was turned down. Can you imagine? I wonder you know, what he looked like and how he presented himself then to to lose a dishwashing job. How much of a degenerate? How much of a degenerate <laughs> do you have to be not to get hired at the dishwashing place? I mean, you got to be demoralized. What happened? I think I scared the shit out of him. I had yeah, I had hair down to my ass. I was wearing an obituary shirt, this death metal band. But the, I think the big red flag for them was. I didn't have any references because I was 18. I just moved out of my house to Missouri, and my references were my grandparents. <laughs> and they were like, you don't have any other references? Yeah, but even I'm if like, you're a kid and you go to them, hey, I'll wash dishes, and, and you know, I don't have references because, you know, I'm just graduating high school. Job, they usually yeah. grab you, you know. But I got to tell you, uh, to that place that Richard applied to, I don't want to mention them by name, but uh, they made the right decision because... <laughs> 
You know, if I look at Richard, you know, Richard smells and he doesn't wash his body. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to wash your body, what makes me think you're going to wash my dishes? You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. Did he smell when he was applying for the job? Oh, well, I, it's funny. At the time, I was living in a guy's laundry room. Like, I didn't have anywhere to live. And he wouldn't, and he wouldn't, literally wouldn't let me use his shower. So I was right. like... I had to yeah. go to somebody else's house to take a shower. It was a pain in the ass. I would like a job being your dishwasher, but I just shit my pants. <laughs> yeah. You know you're a fucking loser if you can't get a dishwashing job. You know you're just an outcast. But I hired uh -huh. him, no problem. I didn't even ask any questions. I didn't ask for any references, right? I didn't hassle you. You didn't no, smell no. him, though. You know, he didn't get no, close enough. No, didn't smell him. I didn't even meet him ahead of time. I hired him no. before I met him, I think, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Howard. You saved yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, if I had known that he brushed his teeth with a towel, I probably wouldn't have hired him. Well, that he didn't even do every day. That was like Sundays. <laughs> that was yeah. on vacation. I've, I've upgraded to a toothbrush. I'm civilized now. Wow. All right. Yeah, it the... was depressing. Not I'd like to watch the movie uh, Private Parts starring Richard Christie, the untold story of Richard Christie. That's uh, the <laughs> one I'm going to go see. That's the sequel, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, George, I... we done, or did you want to say something else? I, I just want to say quick advice to anybody. Uh doesn't matter, in my experience, whatever you're seeing, uh, your job uh, history, Maybe criminal experience, um, not an issue for me. But if you just call every restaurant in your area, if you're struggling to find a job, they need people to wash their dishes. And at least I can offer that advice to anybody struggling to find a job right now. Very easy they to sure do. do. They sure do need people to wash dishes. And, uh, George, I compliment you. And uh, hopefully uh, your dishwashing career will continue to go well. All right. Take care, George, in Alaska. There's All right. Thank you, George. Another regular brother bites bye, bye. the dust. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Witz, who is the CEO of Sirius XM Pandora, would like to say something. Yes, Miss Witz. I want to offer this guy a job. He sounds like a hardworking man. We could use a Sirius XM Pandora stern. Well, what job are you offering? Psych. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, you sound great washing my dishes. <laughs> All right, a woman obviously giddy with power, Jennifer wow. Witz. Yes, loves running this company, and uh, she gave that guy some hope that maybe he'd be on the radio and then took it away. Dash. He said, uh, let's go to uh, Hillbilly. Hey, Hillbilly over in Florida. What's happening, Hillbilly? Love Florida so much. Morning, guys. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Florida trailer parks, but I'll tell you, it's almost like living in an episode of Cops of YPD. Uh, craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Cops are in six, seven, eight times a day. Uh, you've got basically a lot of retirees with nothing but time and money. And, you know, they call heaven uh, Florida's waiting room. Or Florida. A little hard to understand you. Back up off that mic. What's going on? <laughs> Hillbilly, you sound like a great guy and everything, but it's just hard to follow you this morning, you know? Yeah, don't worry. The cruise ships have come in, so the phone's all staticky. Oh. All right. All right. Take care, yeah. Hillbilly. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Call us on another day when the cruise ship's not there. 
I want to talk. Yeah, so many people have a bad phone connection. It just pisses me off. I like going to the phones. It's fun, but, you know, you get on, and you go, hey, hillbilly, what's happening? Uh, so I got in a trailer park in there. Uh, what else are you going to try? And then I got uh, a lot of cops <laughs> here six times a day. And then you see it at the cops tower. And so it's like watching an episode of cops. Oh, really? Okay, okay, pal. Uh, Howard, do you know what I said? I have no idea what the fuck you just said. I just go, okay, okay, there you go. I know that a guy driving in his car, I mean, I listen to the radio primarily in the car, and if you're in the car and that guy's on, and there's all that uh, that noise and shit in the car, you can't understand what the fuck he's saying, right? No. I know that. Howard, I think I to say it. I've been living in a trailer park down here in Florida, and every day we sit here, and we see a lot of cops. And, uh, I guess, uh, really here, and we all watch them, and there's a crazy shit going on. I think your phone connection is bad. Well, it's a cruise ship for, uh, town, and, uh, we don't have a the cruise ship is in town and your phone doesn't work? Uh, that's right, Howard. The cruise ship is in town. Really? You know, and, and I was just about to say, you know, Jesus, dude, I don't even... I, I've never heard of a cruise ship being in town and your phone doesn't work. Well, that's it's why like I wanted to call back on the day park. when the cruise ship is not there so I can see <laughs> if it's true. Robin, the cruise ship's there every fucking day. You don't understand. <laughs> And in a trailer park, I'm like, a cruise ship is in What's the what's trailer? Cruise ship? Are they going to fall into the water? What, what's a trailer been, park doing right next to the water? I was just picking him to say, Yeah, Howard, my phone, uh, it's, uh, rodents are chewing on the phone wires. <laughs> Did you say rodents are chewing on the phone wires? Yeah, we have a rodent problem here at the uh, trailer park. You know, a guy lives in a trailer park. You don't expect him to say the cruise ship is in town, so my phone <laughs> really? doesn't work. And, you know, I don't question it anymore. I used to get, when I was younger on the radio, I'd get angry. What do you mean a fucking cruise ship is in your... <laughs> now I just go, okay, the cruise ship's in town. Goodbye. Yeah, Howard, an alligator climbed the telephone pole, so we don't get good reception here in Florida. Yeah. Like, you'd think if a guy lives in the trailer park, maybe the circus is in town and the elephants are trampling his phone. I have no clue. I'm trying to get a picture. I've never seen a scenario <laughs> like this. I'm trying to picture it, and I can't. How about this rule on the show from now on? If your phone is affected by cruise ships, don't call me. <laughs> you know, you Howard, can see the cruise ship. <laughs> Howard, the cruise ship will be leaving at 11 o'clock. Uh, Captain Stubing just called in and he told me he's leaving between 11 and 11.30. And Julie, the cruise director, said I should use my phone at 11.30. So I'll be calling you then. Well, I'm not on the air at 11.30. <laughs> cruise ship. What cruise ship? Why would a cruise ship affect... It's blowing my mind what people I say. never heard that excuse ever. Howard, uh, my trailer just fell on top of me, so I'm being squished. That's why I sound like I'm out of breath. <laughs> All right. Any excuse but a... A cloud just blew over and created a bad connection, Howard. Yeah, okay. 
I'm calling uh, from the Titanic wreckage. We're 10,000 leagues under the sea. Uh, we're over here doing a mission to recover uh, valuables. And, uh, All right, that makes sense. <laughs> the cruise ship is in town. Cruise ship's in town. <laughs> How about you're a fucking, um, uh, you're a mush mouth. Maybe that's it. <laughs> then the cruise ship leaves and he calls back and he goes, Is this any better? <laughs> cruise ship's in town. The cruise ship. How does he even know the cruise ship's in town? Oh, it my sounds God. like it's right outside his window. Howard, <laughs> I'm here. The cruise ship's in town, so I'm going to talk quick. Cruise ships in town. What the fuck? You better not make any phone calls when that cruise ship is in town. The guy lives in a trailer park. This like some cruise ship is affecting his phones. I mean, uh, Howard, uh, you've obviously never lived in a trailer park. My neighbor is using the shower, so uh, that affects my phone. All right, that makes sense to me. All right, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> trailer park, a cruise ship. How about my neighbor? All of our trailers use the same pipe sewage system, so my trailer is connected and they flush their toilet. Now my phone doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> Any excuse, but a cruise ship is affecting my phone. I can't understand you, sir. And then all of a sudden he says, Howard, there's a cruise ship right here, <laughs> and it's affecting my phone. <laughs> How about a shaman? pulled in. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, cr the cruise ship... To how about a shaman just put a curse on my phone? <laughs> the shaman said ooga booga booga, and uh, now I can't talk because it's uh, very hard to understand. Yeah, Howard, uh, a cruise ship just pulled in, and uh, my phone is affected. Well, why would a cruise ship affect you? Well, uh, a lot of people get off the cruise ship in jet ski, and then the jet ski splash my phone with water. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing. No, just the cruise ship. Areola Borealis is uh, going on right now outside, Howard, and uh, it's not the cruise ship. I didn't realize it was Areola <laughs> Borealis. <laughs> what a Ariella fucking morning. Borealis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, there he is. Hey, uh, Hillbilly, how does a fucking yes. cruise ship, how does a cruise ship affect your phone? Well, you got to think about how many uh, hundreds of people are on there, and then uh, you add in the passengers, and every single one of them has a phone. And I'm right in the port. Um, all the cruise ships that come in here literally go through my backyard. Uh, are you able to hear me better now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is, the, is the cruise ship still there? <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Robin, the cruise ship left. <laughs> why is it better now? If the, the cruise ship is still there, why are you better now? Uh, Dad, I couldn't tell you. It's something about priority with the cell phones, I guess. Howard, uh, it'll, it'll come again. Wait a second, Howard. Uh, I'm getting nervous. Three submarines from Russia are pulling <laughs> into the port, I, so we got to talk fast. Do <laughs> what? See, I can barely hear you guys now. Uh, Howard, uh, 
No, I got to tell you something. I, I, for years, I lived in New York City where millions of people have phones. There's ships. There's, uh, don't there's ask what's going on. There's cruise ships. I mean, ton. I mean, there's biggest <laughs> cities, these cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. My phone always, I never said, well, there's a lot of people in New York and a lot of ships. <laughs> the cruise ships in town. I can't talk. Well, you have we, uh, in New we York. over here, we live next to a, uh, a restaurant that has a buffet, and the shrimp from the buffet messes with the signal of my phone. What do you mean the shrimp from the buffet messes with your signal? There's something about a lot of people on Wednesdays, they get more free shrimp, and then they use their phones to tell their friends about the shrimp buffet, and then it messes with our signal. Well, how many people are at the buffet? This uh, Right now, there's about seven. Right here, and it's only seven o'clock in the morning, and there's already people lining up for shrimp, and I think they're calling all their relatives. Jesus Christ! Uh oh, the ship. I think I can tell from your signal the ship is uh, the people on the ship are using their phones. <laughs> I don't know, Howard. I'm about to lose you. Uh, I understand on the ship, three teenagers with cell phones are walking on deck. I can see them from here. They might lose you. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. And, oh, there's a gentleman flying a kite. I think that might affect our our conversation, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> well, we, we've got four or five of them in port right now, and, you know, there's, the Mardi Gras, it's not in today, but when it comes in, there's a thousand people that are just employees on that one ship. And that's not counting oh, past news, most of that. Well, back here, we got a ship, Robin and me, we got a ship next to us, and the, the passengers are playing limbo, and they're calling their <laughs> friends about it. So probably you can't hear me so good, you know, and that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I can't hear you so good. Some one of these kids is playing Candy Crush on the ship, and it affects our signal. Does it take to interrupt the signal? That's what well, Robin. It's seven o'clock in the morning, so it probably is like three people are up using their phone. So uh, it could be as little as three people. And you're forgetting the, uh, you know, the, the the barnacles are all over the phone lines from the ship. And, uh, you know, oh, Robin, uh-oh, there's a cruise ship coming through my house. It accidentally <laughs> got unhinged, so you might not be able to hear me. Look out, oh, you ship. Oh, fuck oh, you. Oh. Fuck, oh, fuck you, ship. Get the fuck out of here. Are you can oh, my hear me? Robin, can you hear me? <laughs> I can try to hear you. The ship gonna affect it. Uh oh. <laughs> Robin, I can't hear you. The ship is in my living room. I would understand room. it if the if the horn was blasting. Yeah. Oh, do you matter? Oh no, Robin, I might lose you. Someone is FaceTiming their grandma on the ship. That, that sucks up all the phone power. Do they give priority to the ship when it pulls in Hillbilly so only people on the ship can be yeah. heard by phone? Yeah. Uh, yesterday, sure. some woman was checking her Instagram and my phone exploded. It uh, totally ruined everything. <laughs> so 
some of it could be the the radar systems that they use and all that also. But <laughs> oh, okay. a lot of them in here. Yeah, yeah. At the rate, Robin, uh, you might have trouble hearing me. They just started bingo here on the cruise. Radar ship, is uh, bouncing <laughs> off my phone. Yeah. So the, between the radar and the bingo, I'm losing you. <laughs> Uh, All right, Hillbilly, before I lose you again, your signal seems to be better. For some yeah, reason, the people are waking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so hurry up. What, out, so what do you want to say to us this morning, Hillbilly? I was just going to tell you guys about the trailer park I live in. Um, it, it's pretty wild. I never knew Florida was quite the way it is. Uh, we've got fights. We've got ODs. We've got people that pass away and aren't found for two or three days, so they wind up melting into the floor. Um, we call it a vacancy. And uh, <laughs> you never well, it sounds like what you're saying, Hillbilly, is when you live in a trailer park, you're mm-hmm. going to see all kinds of things. And some of the things yep. you see is people die in their trailers and then they melt into the floor. And that amazing. is an amazing. That's amazing. I didn't know that. All right, Hillbilly. Well, thank you. Glad you got through well. with a clear connection. I got to tell you. Not a problem, guys. I appreciate your time. You bet, Hillbilly. You hang in there, pal. Don't melt into your floor. And watch out for oh, no, those no, cruise no. ships. Those cruise ships, oh, yeah. get ro- they can fuck with you. I'm telling you. I've seen it. <laughs> it's the radar. It's everything. You know, they got and lots of systems. A lot of these yeah. cruise ships have, uh, you know, disease. The Legionnaire disease. So be careful. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys Uh-oh. enjoy your day, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Hillbilly. All right. There's Hillbilly who says living in a trailer park can be dangerous. There are things with police. And uh, also it can affect your phones if you live next to a um, ship of some sort, a cruise <laughs> ship. Howard, uh, excuse me, I'm going to wrap my head in aluminum foil to get the uh, <laughs> get a better signal. And I find if I have aluminum foil near the phone while I'm talking to you, I can uh, communicate much clearer. All right. Thank you, uh, Hillbilly. What's he talking about? Yeah, Peter, you're on the air. Uh, Peter in New York. I was afraid to um, ask what else he believed in. (laughs) I cruise four or five times a year with four or five stops on each cruise, and I have never had a problem using my cell phone at any port. This guy is so full of baloney. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course he is, because he called me back two minutes later and his phone was fine. So clearly... And the cruise ship hasn't moved. The cruise ship did and, not leave and, port. <laughs> and by the way, it's 7.30 in the morning. The cruise ships usually aren't even in port this early. Yeah, if I'm going on a cruise, I'm sleeping until 8, 9 o'clock. Yeah. And then I'm going to use my phone. Right. I don't know, Howard. This That's cruise all. ship is uh, very strange. These people get up around six, they shuffle board, and they use their phones. So uh, I, I can't explain it. They're an unusual. I think group, this is an alien cruise it, ship. It, yeah. it could be those of us playing ping pong, though. Sometimes those uh, ping pong balls affect your cell phone service. <laughs> yeah. Well, Howard, uh, it, it, let me give me a second. Sometimes if I shove the, the TV remote control up my ass, it'll help the reception. <laughs> All right. Hey, Howard, thanks, thanks for all these years of enjoyment. Take care. Bye. All right, thank you. Uh-oh, they're playing myself. shuffleboard. There goes the Uh-oh. reception. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. There's Hillbilly saying it ain't easy living in a trailer park. I think that's what he was saying. I think so. He said he, he never knew Florida could be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Listen to this. I'm reading this this morning. The Fast and Furious franchise, you know, with Vin Diesel, has a problem. I've never, I'm proud to say, I tried to watch. What is the problem? I tried to watch the first Fast and Furious movie. I couldn't get through it. It was so fucking dumb. I mean, you know, with the cars, it's everything I'm not into. The cars and the macho shit. I just, just, you know. Anyway, listen to the problem. Last week, Justin Lin. Justin Lin is the uh, is the director of Fast and Furious. He evidently is the brains behind this whole thing. Uh, he's directed all of them. He's in, uh, directed a few of them. He was okay. quitting as director of Fast Ten, the tenth Fast and Furious movie, just a few days into filming, and you're like, "What could be the problem?" The Hollywood Reporter says this guy Lin, Justin Lin, and Vin Diesel had a major disagreement. That resulted uh-uh. in Justin declaring, this is not worth my mental health and storming out. There were reports that Diesel would show up late not knowing his lines. What lines didn't he know? There's like three lines in the whole fucking movie. And, and can anybody distinguish what he's saying when he says a line? <laughs> there were reports that Diesel would show up late, not know his lines, was out of shape, and would frequent, frequently rewrite the script on the fly. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? You know... I'm always amazed by this. And if I learned anything from my father, it was that when you have something good, stick with it. As I've said many times on the air, my my strategy in radio was, if I'm at a radio station and things are good, you stick with it. You like the people you work with, you stick with it. You got something good. I mean, this Fast and Furious is such a uh, gift to the people involved, it's a particularly. Cash cow, yeah. It's a cash cow. Vin Diesel, listen, he's not lighting up the acting world. He's a fun guy to watch. I watch uh, his movies sometimes. Not the not the Fast and Furious, but there's another one I watch. You know, he's got something good. What could be the problem? Show up, and, get you know, in shape. He was a doorman, right? That's yes. what he was doing. What creative disagreement did you have on the set of Fast and Furious? I mean, uh, and this guy, uh, what did Justin Lin want to do that uh, Vin Diesel objected creative to? Creative differences. What's, where's yeah. the creation, for God's sake? It's the same movie ten times. Well, I'll, well, Justin wants to, you know, he talks, he talks like this. He goes, uh, Justin wanted to race cars against dinosaurs, but I wanted the cars <laughs> to drive on the surface of the sun. It's a well, stupid race become, car movie. This is becoming a thing because The Rock can't stand Vin uh, Diesel. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The Rock and Vin Diesel. I mean, who has a problem with The Rock? The guy's a bonehead. You just go to the gym with him. You lift a couple of fucking weights and you, you, you do your job. Yeah. I've met The Rock. You know why they call him The Rock. He's got rock for brains. I mean, he's a big dummy. He's a, he's a lovely man. Don't get me wrong. We had him on I the show. I don't know he was, if he's a big dummy. He's got he is. You could say the it. wazoo. He's yeah, made okay. lots of money. Well, that's because all the dummies who uh, worship him... <laughs> You know, buy his, I don't know, body waxing uh, products. <laughs> he's got, I don't know. He's got a cartoon. He's got a, cartoon. another kind of show you know on what? HBO, I think. You know what? Uh, the reason I had a problem with The Rock, he wanted the cars to go 100 miles an hour. And I said to him, this is fast and furious. 
we're going 105 miles an hour with that <laughs> fucking dickhead. He argued with me. I'm the star of the movie. Did you imagine? What are they arguing about? I mean, the, and he the, the shows one up that I saw. Shape and late. Come on. <laughs> the, for the, the first your whole movie, job is to be in shape. The one that I saw, or half of it, seemed to be like the movie Point Break, except with cars. Right. And then they, they had like insane stunts. And then I know as the films went further and further along, they, they, it got crazier. Like Vin Diesel faced down a submarine with his car. Because Ronnie watches all of these. Yeah, and didn't they drop the cars out of planes at one time? I don't know what they're doing with these cars. They they had, uh, the cars were in, in outer space. Oh, they were. Yeah. No, for real. No, <laughs> I'm not kidding. They, I mean, where were they racing in outer space? No, they were they were tied up to rocket ships. Hey, Ronnie, you watch these things. What happened? Remember when um, it was um, Vin Diesel faced down a submarine with his car, and then Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris went to space in a car. Am I correct? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I didn't watch all of them. I only watched the beginning ones. I never really got into the whole deal. You never saw Ludacris go to space in a car? Seriously? No. No, I didn't. Mm. Well, now Anybody? I have more respect for Ronnie's taste in movies. And even I, Ronnie, even Ronnie, who <laughs> loves cars and sex and and uh, wrestling. I mean, I mean, to watch to watch all you see is hot chicks and cars, which is cool. But you know how much of that can you know? I watched the beginning ones with Paul, whatever his name was, the Paul one, Walker. Right. Yeah, yeah, Paul Walker. You know, I watched those, but uh, as it went on, I never, you know. But the guys were talking about it this morning about the F nine one that's out now. On HBO Max, so I'm gonna check it out, see what it is. Here's some, uh, some facts. For us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when The Rock left the franchise, he posted this on social media, and most likely he was talking about Vin Diesel. He wrote, "Some male co-stars conduct themselves as stand-up men and true professionals, while others don't. The ones that don't are too chicken shit to do anything about it anyway. Candy asses. When you watch this movie next April, F8." And it seems like I'm not acting in some of these scenes, and my blood is legit boiling. You're right. So I mean, the, the Rock never badmouths anybody. No, The Rock always has a smile on his face, as far as I knew. You'd smile too if you were The Rock. <laughs> like Vin Diesel got under The Rock's skin. Yeah. Did anyone see anyone on our staff see? Do you you do you see Fast and Furious, Jason? Oh, I, I love the Fast and Furious movies. It, it is it is really? turn off your brain, turn up the sound, and just have a party. I, I love. Didn't Ludacris go into rocket ship when his, <laughs> the car was tied to a rocket ship? So it, yeah, it's it's the crazy. I don't remember the conceit. I think they were trying to fix a satellite. There was some you know because the, of course these bank robbers know how to fix satellites. So they take a car. And they put these right. two giant rockets on each side of the car. And then they put that car like on top of a plane that flies them up over the atmosphere. And then they let them go. And then they're in space. And they're, I don't know, dropping off the thing at a saddle. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> How did Ludacris um, breathe in space? In other words, why, and why did he have to be in a car? Why not just go up in the rocket? I, I, <laughs> I don't remember all those the small details. But yeah, no, like every time they cut to them, yeah, I think they had the helmet on and they were like, you know, in the car, they had like the whole astronaut oxygen on. Uh, yeah, oxygen. Yeah. But, but, uh, but some there's of my... a pressure situation when you go into space. How did the car maintain its integrity? 
go in through the scientist? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is what how did the car not get crushed from the pressure of going up into space? The scene that hooked me on Fast and the Furious was Fast and the Furious 6, where this 747 was taking off, and somehow all the cars brought down the 747. They they, they were chasing it down the, the runway. And all the cars had these grappling hooks on them. So the, the plane's going off and they're shooting their grappling hooks into the plane. And then they yank the plane right out of the sky. And I go, this is a fucking insane movie. I love it. Shouldn't Ludacris's head pop like a zit when he gets to space? <laughs> I mean, it would seem. But And also, yeah. it's it's amazing why Ludacris would need to be. It seems ludicrous to me that Isn't it he would ludicrous? need his car. Yes. <laughs> it would seem ludicrous that he had his car in space. You know what I mean? Like, I know they always want to feature a car, but... It's like these guys are only comfortable in their own car, you know. Well, that's they can't. almost that's where like a Three Stooges movie. Like you could understand it if it was the plot of like a Three right. Stooges thing. They go up into space in a car because they don't know anything. Well, I mean, even like Star Wars has a, you know, even though it's a fantasy, it does have some logic to it. It's more realistic than a guy going into space with his car. You know what I mean? <laughs> or yeah, it's like the what about of- when Jason Statham? And Vin Diesel face off, and they drive directly into each other at a top speed, and neither of yeah. them are hurt. That's not yeah. even believable. No, no uh, another great scene is, uh, I think it's from F7 or 8, but uh, they're in Dubai, and there's these three tall skyscrapers right next to each other. And he dry, he's on like the 100th floor, and he drives out of one building. Flies across to the other building, fly, drives through that building, and then flies across to the other building, drives through that building, <laughs> then gets the guy. So I like that Vin Diesel like creative differences with the director. I mean, yeah. Uh, what could the director have said? Or what did oh, Vin here, Diesel propose? One of the guys wrote me this. He said when uh, Ludacris and uh, the other dude were in the uh, spa- in space and in the car, Tyree, they wear old scuba suits inside this car right. for, That's what for they oxygen. Wearing. Scuba. And, <laughs> and they made sure to roll up the windows because they were in outer space. <laughs> I didn't know my car was ready to go into space. <laughs> I have a legitimate question, Jason, because you fascinated me. How do cars <clears throat> get on the hundredth floor of a building? <clears throat> oh, dude, come on. Okay, so the the uh, the person throwing the party, whoever lives on the hundredth floor of the building, there's some like rich prince. So they their basements filled with all these really fancy. Because there's always a, the money shot of each movie <clears throat> franchise. It's at some point they walk into a big garage and get to choose from whatever cars they want that the government's providing them or whoever's hired provided them. So I think right. the cars went from the bottom of the building, took an elevator up to the penthouse, and then that's where <laughs> the uh, the action started. Well, anyway, uh, Vin Diesel. Okay, oh, wait good. a minute. What you're Here's saying is Vin Diesel didn't have any trouble with cars going into space or um, up an right. elevator, but Here, somehow look. now there's a problem. Here's a picture of uh, the whole the Fast team taking on a submarine in Fast and Furious <laughs> 8. There they are battling a submarine. How can they battle and a submarine? Is the submarine on land? It, it's coming. Yeah, it's like in the ice. It's in ice. So they're driving yeah, it came in up, the ice and it came, came up, up through a frozen ice. lake. Yeah. And here's the um, Fast and Furious 9 where uh, Ludacris is in his car in space, driving in space. We got to get this director on the phone and see what the (laughs) argument was about. Well, okay, I got some of that for you. Um, Oh, this is funny. A couple of days before this director, Justin Lin, quit. 
Vin Diesel posted a video on social media showing him and Justin palling around the set. Um, I don't know, but it did uh, here. You can listen to it. Maybe you can hear some. You know, maybe maybe you can detect that this guy Justin ain't too thrilled. But here's Vin Diesel palling around with Justin Lin behind the scenes. Here we go. What do you think, Justin? Week one. Just finish week one. How does it feel? Feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending. Is it fair to say that this will be the best one? In my heart, yes. You could tell that guy wants to get out of it. Oh, he wants out of there. He doesn't yeah. want to be in this whatever Ben is doing at all. Sounds like a hostage video. Yeah. Like the Al-Qaeda put it out. Like, Vin's fine, but this guy's under, he's got a gun to his head to answer these questions. Oh, here was the, this is what the argument was about. In Fast in Fast and Furious 10, Vin Diesel wants two cars to fuck each other and have a baby car. <laughs> Justin Lin was against it. So... He said that's impossible for cars to make babies that way, that the way they make baby cars is on an assembly line. And Vin said, no. How do you think new cars get here? It's like with people. They fuck, and then there's a new baby car. And then... <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Uh, anyway, so Justin Lin, the director, basically said, look, my life's too short. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, Ruin my life with this Vin Diesel character. How how obnoxious could he be? Because a movie doesn't last forever. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, according, you could tough it out. According to this, Robin, um, Vin was angry. He wanted his car to fight Godzilla and Mothra. And uh, this guy, Justin Lin, said, I don't think that's believable. <laughs> But but Vin argued that the cars went into space and the guys were wearing scuba gear as astronauts. Uh, so why can't the car fight Godzilla? Can and then Justin Lin. The writers? Are there writers on this thing? Who says? No. Yeah, we'll put the guys in scuba gear and they'll be and fine in a car in space. Justin Lin was upset because he explained to Vin Diesel that Godzilla is not real. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They want to do a backstory where Vin is a little boy and his bicycle transitions to a car. <laughs> I was I was actually thinking of writing one of these movies for us, a kind of like a knockoff of uh, Fast and Furious, because it makes so much money. You and I will be so rich. Yeah. In my movie, we're, we're really into cars. You're my hot chick. <laughs> you're you're practically naked through the whole thing, of course, Robin. You know, titty. No wardrobe. Nope, never. You never wear a bra. No, you have a wardrobe, but it's barely there. You know what I mean? And you're running around. We're saving money. <laughs> and you're my woman, and you fucking come in your pants when you see my new car. I've got some Jitties. car that you know. I don't know what the name of it will be. We'll find out whatever the big car is, and we'll get it. We'll go to one of and, those garages with all the fantastic cars, and we'll choose one. <laughs> right. You and I choose one. And again, you're like, you know, every guy's hitting on you because you walk around in high heels, short shorts, no panties. You can see you, know, you can see your lips hanging out of those things. It's so, tiny, you know, 
yeah. in panties and uh, panties. Yeah, you're just wearing a you're wearing a thong, high heels, and like maybe some pasties on your neck. That's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Why, That's why your I whole wardrobe. With anything more than titties. Yes. Right. And then in our movie, tell me what you think. I hope we don't have any fights over this. But our cars, we figure out if we drive around the Earth fast enough, our cars can go back in time and fight Nazi cars. And oh. we, we win World War II by fighting the Nazis. We cars. take our modern cars yeah. into the past and fight Nazis. Okay. Yeah. What do you think of that? <laughs> so far, I'm on board. <laughs> I don't have any argument with that. Yeah. Then I was thinking maybe like a, if that's a hit. We got to do two. We got to do our own. Uh, my sequel? car. My car. <laughs> I'm hanging out with you. But our cars fall in love. You have a car and I have a car. And they fall in love. And it's like a um, pretty woman. Like your car is a hooker. <laughs> and uh, I want to marry your car. I mean, my car wants to marry your, your car. Your car wants to marry you. Yeah, right. I don't want to marry mixed, your car. You know, machine right. and human relationships. <laughs> uh, that'd be pretty good. Or how about like one where we go back in time, we drive our cars real fast, we go back in time like the Flash, except we meet Jesus Christ who shows up in his car. And Jesus, <laughs> it turns out, had his car because he was a visitor from the future. <laughs> or maybe the people think I'm Jesus because I'm in my car. That's it. We, yeah. you, are, you are a god. We are gods in the past. And I haven't worked it all out, but eventually <laughs> Spider-Man gets involved, of course, which I'll have to make a deal with Marvel. To use that character. Well, wait a minute. He'll be yeah. a bigger star than us. Get out no, of here. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about it. As long as the movie and he, oh, is he on our side or are we fighting Spider-Man? No, our car fights Spider-Man and we win. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, how can that be? But it'll work itself out. Yeah. I got a million Fast and Furious movies that if anybody in Hollywood wants to talk to me, I've got like, I'll give you a great. I don't one. know if you'd get along with Vin Diesel <laughs> and uh, his ideas about what a Fast and Furious movie is. Hey, Vin, it's Howard Stern. How are you? Oh, hello. I heard you make fun of me. Nah, I do, Vin, but you know what? I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. I'd like to pitch you an idea. Well, you're a pretty smart guy. Okay. What's on your mind, Howard? All right. Here, here's the plot of the movie. Go ahead. All right. There's be you have a beautiful car, and King Kong comes to the city. I like it so far. King Kong comes. He grabs your car, and he fucks your car. He comes in the tailpipe. So far, so good. Then the car gets pregnant and gives birth to a giant gorilla car with wheels. It's half gorilla, half car. Oh, my God. You know, I can see why you're a genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the car becomes like Brundle car. Like, remember in the fly? Yeah, Brundle fly. Yeah, Brundle car. Wow. You got any other good ideas? Because we're going to keep knocking these movies out till I drop dead. <laughs> well, okay. If you want another one, what do you think it is? Freddy versus Jason versus you and your car. So I'm fighting Freddy and Jason. Yes. Yes, that's it. 
Hang on a second. I'm losing you. There's a cruise ship going by. <laughs> a cruise ship? Where do you live? A trailer park? Yeah. It's part of my plan to stay in touch with the people. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't hear you so good. Is the cruise ship gone? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's what's going on Fast and Furious. It's weird because... So um, Lynn has just left. He's he There's left. no talking him back into no. it. No. He had enough of uh, Vin Diesel. Uh, here, Justin Lin is credited with turning Fast and Furious into the international phenomenon it is now. He has directed five of the films in the franchise. The series has grossed $6.6 billion across nine movies and one spinoff. It was widely reported that The Rock left the franchise after the eighth movie because of his disagreements with Vin as well. You know, that's what happens. You know, the, these movies are primarily based on, you know, they're a family. That family comes before anything. And right. As uh, Vin says to, as Vin says in Fast and Furious 7. I've seen you jump from trains, dive from planes. Hell, I saw your courage the day I met you. Right. Want to know the bravest thing I ever saw you do? Be a good man to me. Being a great father to my nephew, Jack. Everyone's looking for the thrill, but what's real is family, your family. Hold on to that pride. He talks like Hillbilly from uh, the trailer park. But this is what I'm telling you. You're saying he that people noticed that he couldn't get his dialogue out? <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> Dude, are you saying anything? <laughs> he pronounces about it. You know about your it. lines? He pronounces, who cares if I, who cares if I, <laughs> he pronounces about a third of the words. I mean, he's not even get, I didn't know what the fuck he just said. Who cares if he memorizes his line? This thing makes money. <laughs> Nobody seems to care if he says anything. <laughs> <laughs> Vin, what'd you say? I said I'm having a stroke. Oh, you're having a stroke. That's what I thought. <laughs> Although, you know, like I did one movie, Private Parts, and I got to say, that was a family. But I can imagine if I was on Private Parts 10, where I'm doing <laughs> radio from the moon, uh, I would probably be annoyed and not getting along with everyone as well. You, what are you saying? You think Vin Diesel wants out of these movies, so he's trying no. to destroy them? I think Vin forgets that he's a guy who's barely understandable, and he's he's locked into the most wonderful franchise, and he should just fucking chill. Calm down, man. You, how do you fight with a rock? The guy's a bonehead. He's he's just happy if he has enough protein for the day. He's not a fighter. He's not. A, he doesn't care. He's just looking for his, you know... He wants creatine or whatever the fuck those guys eat. Look, I mean, I think uh, that it's two boneheads. Of course, they're having right. problems. Yeah, two two guys whose <laughs> whose hair has left their heads because their their brain their brain fried their head. <laughs> That's a monologue. Let me see what he said. If I can understand what he said. I've seen you jump from trains, Doc. I've seen you jump from trains. <laughs> I mean, he. I, I, I didn't know Hillbilly could be an actor. Like, he should rush out to Hollywood. Get away from that trailer park. 
Kirk Douglas made more sense at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been in fat. He could have... <laughs> what are you saying? I have plans. Hell, I saw your curves the day I met you. All right, tell me what he said. I saw your Kurds the day I met you. The Kurds. I saw the Kurds. The Kurds? <laughs> Kurds and um, Way? Yeah, like, get me some pudding, Kurds and Way. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you get your Kurds. <laughs> 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 I just hit my hand. Wait, Vin is acting. What did you say? I just hit my hand. Oh, Vin <laughs> is giving us his lines. No, no, no. Stop the camera. I just shit my pants. <laughs> oh, you shit your pants. Stop. Cut. Cut. Vin shit his pants. Sorry, Vin. We thought you were doing your lines. I know the bravest thing I ever saw you do. What is that? Be a good man to me. You, you know what I thought you knew? I saw you me a green hunter. And I swallowed my tongue. You what? I swallowed my tongue. You <laughs> swallowed your tongue? Yeah. And you're the Mia Curd. What about Kurds? <laughs> the Kurds. The Kurds are taking on the Shias and the Sunnis. Oh, okay. The Kurds are taking on the Shias and the Sunnis. Hmm. New plot. New plot. No, I'm doing the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, uh, the writer of Fast and Furious is on the phone and wants to explain what was going on in that scene. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, sir. When you wrote the movie, what were you thinking? The childish brother Foster Planets, the priors were classics, and transportation. Oh, the transportation, uh, and that's how you guys end up in the moon, and you know, in the in the space. <laughs> yeah, Obama, Bradson, no Bradson or no Bradson, we're prohibited. Huh? Oh, so the space didn't prohibit the the cars from going. Uh, in other words, you the cars not need can... a special compartment. Uh, could be, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I guess you have to sp suspend disbelief, right? Uh, could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you speak better than Vin Diesel. Oh, could be like that, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for... What? Okay. Thank you for explaining. Good luck well, with that. Well, Chris got it from the sub while he was in a limo. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck with Vin and uh, Fast and Furious 10. I know you got to scramble and find a new director. Who can they bring? You motherfucker! You motherfucker! Oh boy! Oh boy! What? I pissed him off. I pissed him off. Oh, everybody! Gets not, they told so me not to bring that up to him. He's very, yeah. he's very upset about it. Very upset about it. Yeah. What if they can't find a director? I guess Venom directed himself. Yeah. <laughs> cut! Cut! <laughs> Oh, my God. I tell you, sometimes you read these stories about successful franchises, whether it's a band, whether it's a movie, whether it's a, you know, whatever it is. TV show. And people lose their minds. I would love to interview The Rock 
and Vin Diesel together and, and, and say to them, you got to explain to me what the fuck you two morons are thinking when you're sitting and fighting. <laughs> you're sitting there making a billion dollars. It's a no-brainer fun movie. You don't even, I mean, five lines at the best you got. I mean, it's basically featuring your muscles and your cars and, you know, and what yeah, the Yeah, it's questionable you... if any acting is being done. <laughs> and I'd say to The Rock, what the fuck? What, you don't even know what Vin's saying. Just say yes. When Vin starts fighting, he's like, hey, man, you didn't finish And just go, <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, I'll take care of it. Oh, here. The guys wrote down one of Vin's lines from the first Fast Fast and Furious movie. Okay. I'll do it as Vin Diesel. I ran my line from Quantum Mile at a time. What? Nothing else. Nothing, Robin. This is why you're like the rock, Robin. He probably <laughs> said, guy, what? That guy doesn't know his line. That's what the rock uh, is saying. I he came understood. here on time. He's not on time. And All now right. he doesn't know his lines. <laughs> All right. I'll get off this. I'll get off this. Anyway, good luck to the franchise. I hope everything works out. I know Ronnie's looking forward to another one. Um, They'll piece it together because that's a lot of money to leave on the table. Yeah! I guess Cameo isn't doing that well. They laid off 25% of their employees during an all-hands meeting. I guess you only brought your hands. All-hands meeting. I never heard of that expression. An all-hands meeting. Well, that's the all-hands-on-deck, right? Oh, is it? I don't know. Then why don't they say an all hands on deck? <laughs> Only <meeting>? hands meeting. <laughs> last, it says here, last week, Cameo laid off 25% of its employees during an all hands meeting. Wow. That's uh, 25. Think about that. One quarter of the staff. They must, I thought they were doing well. I know someone told me that that whole business, I mean, I pitch Eric is now driving around in fancy cars and smoking cigars. Well, then he the ought to be worried because if things are going down on Cameo, mm-hmm. that means that lifestyle is not going to continue. Yeah. Well, they called an all hands meeting and 25% of the staff, hey, what do you do if you don't have hands and you're called into an all hands meeting? You're fucked. Yeah, you isn't can't that fire discrimination. Me. You can't fire me just because I don't have hands. I couldn't get to the meeting. I don't have hands. Yeah. But Even, you know uh, this. This is probably part of that reopening mm-hmm. uh, economy. Because a lot of companies benefited greatly from people staying at home. I Maybe see. Cameo is one of them. And now well, people some, are out and about. I'll give you some stats. In 2020, Cameo grossed over $100 million. So, yeah. You know, they were doing pretty well. That's now, what uh, happened. I th- Look I, at uh, Peloton. I think the stock price is in the teens now. Hmm. Might be a $19 stock. I don't know. I'm still using it. I know you are, but you're, you're the one who's staying, still staying at home. I love it. I know. I'm still staying home. It's so funny. Everyone, <laughs> every one of my friends is now like, we've gone back to our regular life. Yes, we'll get COVID, but we're just going to deal with it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to deal with it. I don't know that I'm going to survive COVID. And it's not essential that anybody see me. I mean, honestly, I mean, who's missing me? 
I'm on the radio. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, what's the rush? I'm in no rush to, to you know, I do miss going out to dinner. I'll tell you that. Mm. But, uh, and I miss like just having friends over for dinner. But other than that, I mean, I mean, everyone says to me, you've got to get out. You got to come to LA. You got to blah, blah, blah. I go, I agree, but there's a pandemic. You know, I, yeah, would, so I would love to go. You're to using Peloton just like there's still a lockdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was on it yesterday. I took a uh, R&B hip hop lesson for a half hour. Oh, wow. Look at you. Yeah. A lot of the songs I didn't even know, but I, get, I had a little pep in my pedal. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, I'm all excited after I do it. I go and weigh myself and I weighed a pound more. I was like, fuck this. Pound well, more. How could you get you been eating, drinking water? Yeah. All that adds to your weight during the day. Jesus, Matt, Peloton stock dropped from a fifty two week high of hundred twenty nine dollars to its current price of twelve dollars and ninety cents. Yes, Holy see, I'm moly. even too high at nineteen. It's a twelve dollars yeah. stock now. Jesus. And they announced that they were laying off a bunch of people. So all of these stay-at-home things are uh, having difficulty because they grew so much. And they did take on mm. uh, Peloton, bought a factory, and uh, hired so many more people. And I guess Cameo must have done the same thing. They should go to that lab and start another pandemic so that their price will go up. It would that help be a them, good, yes. That's the plot <laughs> of the next Fast and Furious movie. And Vin Diesel has to go over to Peloton and uh, fight them. He has to use his car to fight the bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's his car versus the Peloton bike. <laughs> I think Peloton will win. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Cameo, they did a novel thing when they fired 25% of the people. They um, hired Hypitch to fire them with a Cameo, which I thought was mm. brilliant. What's yeah. up, Cameo, Famio? It's Hypitch, Eric here to tell you you're fired. Clear out your desks. Some advice. If you want to make money, start making cameos. It work for me. Have fun on the unemployment losers. Oh, yeah, it was cold. Not but very nice. Very creative. Very cold. not nice yes. at all. Not nice at all. I tell you, that wasn't nice at all. Song came about from a spontaneous jam session. David Bowie dropped by the studio. He was jamming. Uh, they were doing um, covers of Cream songs. He was hanging out with Queen. And then he started plucking out some notes on a piano. You see, this is what I imagined. This is what I always imagined would happen. Like I said to Cheryl Crow, you're over at Bruce Springsteen's house. Sit down on the piano, start plucking out notes, do some Cream covers, and then jam with the dude and make a collaboration. I always, I was an artist but, of but a musical. Don't you supposed, aren't you supposed to relax sometimes? No, you never relax. Oh. Okay. I mean, you can relax with your instruments. That's your job. Oh. And so they decided to write a song. Don't say that yet. Uh, oh. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. <laughs> Who knew? But here's the thing. You're going to... Um, I already made that mistake. I got yelled at. Well, that's why I said it. I had heard it before. Anyway, it was very rare that David Bowie would write a song with Queen. 
And um, they typically write alone, but they brought what they had to re rehearsal, and there you go. So they were planning to see if something would happen, but it wasn't like they it were happened. planning it, it to happened. go out to no. dinner together and just hang. No, they he, Bowie dropped by the studio. That's a work area. Yeah, no, they he were just hanging. He was just Bruce's like, hey, what's house. happening, guys? No, you, you. in his pool. <laughs> you know, two minutes ago, I was staring at my penis trying to pull a pubic hair off the head. And, what? Uh, I had a pubic hair. There's a the hair coming out of the head. <laughs> no, it wasn't coming out. It was like it was like stuck on there, and I was like pulling. Oh. <laughs> and I was admiring my penis head. I was actually disgusted with it. It's too tiny, but it's very purple. It uh, has a nice purple glow to it. You like the color? <laughs> I do. I was like, I never realized how purple my penis head is. Oh boy! Yeah, it was weird had a moment with myself anyway let's say hello to someone and then i'm going to read you fan mail because a lot of people were writing in about ronnie evaluating staff's mothers and i want to read that to you <laughs> yeah evan in canada hello, hello. on the air hey now hey now howard how you doing yeah and the fabulous billy corgan and the fabulous hey perry ferrell will uh, be in with their bands to discuss stuff uh yeah evan go ahead Hey now, hey! I just uh, I wanted to call in about the Rock because uh, this seems to be an, an ongoing uh, theme over there of you guys uh, bashing on the guy, and I'm just uh, I'm wondering where Never. that. Uh, I'm not bashing yeah. on the guy. I'm saying, isn't it amazing? Understand what I'm saying. Okay. If I knew, if I knew, I've had the Rock on the show many years ago. He's a lovely guy. Uh, but I would say to him, now I know how you got the name The Rock. There must be rocks in your head. I said, you got, you're, you're part of a movie with this Vin Diesel. You two guys can't figure out how to get along. This thing, I mean, I imagine in Hollywood, someone like, um, Robert De Niro or Al Pacino or, um, um, uh, Robert, um, 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 Who's the guy from The Godfather? Fabulous actor. Duval. Uh, Robert Duval. Bobby D. I imagine these guys sitting there go, what is The Rock earning? How much money is it? <laughs> Wait a second. I, uh, uh, Al Pacino. I can drive going, a car. <laughs> yeah, but Al Pacino's like, Wait a second. I'm the greatest actor in the world. You know, Jack Nicholson sitting there looking at his net worth going, what the <laughs> fuck, man? You know, like The Rock it c can buy and sell me. Vin Diesel can buy and sell me. I mean, these guys, what are they fighting about on the set of um, Fast and Furious? The shittiest movie ever made. People love it for some reason. Let me tell you, and Al Pacino must be, I, there's a reason he doesn't look so good when you see him on TV. He must be sitting there go, every night going, The Rock is worth how many billions? <laughs> Vin Diesel's what? He just bought an island? How many more projects do they have? <laughs> what is it? We can't get Vin Diesel because he's he's booked up for 17 projects? <laughs> no, and I, I Al Pacino I sitting at home waiting for Godfather 4 to happen. And, uh, <laughs> Another and like, Godfather, what? yeah. How many Fast and Furious? Ten? We, could, <laughs> we made two and we ran out of ideas. We made a third one that people almost vomited. <laughs> How is that possible? About the... 
I agree with you about the Fast and Furious stuff, but I've I've heard you Al Pacino before. sitting at home going like, "Wait a second, there's a Transformers twenty. Why can't the Godfather go into space and fix a uh, fix a car?" <laughs> no, and I agree with you, Howard, about the Fast and Furious stuff. But there's been previous times where you guys talk about the Rock and must have rocks in his head but you gotta yeah that's how gotta, he got his name he must have rocks in his head so they said well these are the you know imagine this guy's day vin diesel and the rock they're on a movie together hey what what is the conversation must be like this hey rock what are you doing today oh hey vin i'm gonna go do legs didn't you do legs yesterday no <laughs> i did upper body oh if i'd known that I go do legs with you. I did legs yesterday. I got to do uh, arms today. Hey, man, I tell you what. I'll skip a day. I'll do arms with you. And then we can coordinate. You're a fucking great guy, man. Yeah, you are too. <laughs> that, that should be the level of the conversation. No, these two are arguing. Can you imagine? It's unbelievable. I wish that someone in Hollywood would say, Rock and uh, Vin, you got to go do the Howard Stern show because he's going to do the greatest interview of all time. We're going to find out how you two morons can't get along. (laughs) (laughs) But, Howard, I actually think the Rock would be a great guest to re-interview because, you know, the first time you had him on was all his his wrestling career and and focused on that. I would love it, but I would start off with, why can't you get along with Vin Diesel? That's Is he that big an asshole? I mean, the guy. And, and and then I would bring in when those two were sitting here. I would walk in the cast of The Godfather, Robert De Niro, probably the greatest actor of all time, Al Pacino, arguably on that level. Dust. I bring in Dustin Hoffman, and I'd say, Vin, The Rock. Why don't you tell these guys what you're worth, your net worth? <laughs> well, I'm worth seven billion. Rock goes, oh, well, with all my products, I hawk, I'm worth $10 billion. And then Robert De Niro would say, Jesus Christ, I, I, I don't have enough to pay my ex-wife. <laughs> hey, but you, you got to respect what the guy's done. I mean, he went I from do, uh, but why being a wrestler along? seven bucks in his pocket to, uh, wasn't he the highest paid I actor mean, in 2020, something like that? Yeah. That's right. Of course, I respect yeah. it. But what if, what is the mystery here? This is what I'm. Listen, I don't want to talk. Well, about these you know guys. what I always say, Howard. There are some guys who have a great setup, and they then try to make it difficult. And that's what seems to be the Vin Diesel thing to me. All yeah. of a sudden, he can't show up on time. He won't learn his lines. He's rewriting the script. Everything, you know, he's doing everything to make something that should be ridiculously easy, ridiculously hard. Hey, Bobby Duval is on the phone. Robert Duval, the greatest actor of all time. Robert Duval. Hi, Mr. Duval. Hi, how you doing, Howard? I got to, we're discussing uh, Vin Diesel. You mean the guy I don't understand a word he's saying? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Howard, what is Vin Diesel worth? Uh, he made uh, uh, ten billion dollars. Ten billion. 
What are you worth, Mr. Duval? Well, I don't want to give away my net worth, but let's just say I live in a trailer park next to a cruise ship. Is that why we're <laughs> having problems? by phone reception. Yeah. Is that why we can't understand a word you're saying? <laughs> That's right. When the cruise ship comes in, we don't. We, I'm telling you, my phone doesn't work. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, the greatest. Who, who, who is some of the greatest actors? Of, ladies and gentlemen, at my door is one of the greatest actors of all time. Michael Caine. This oh. is Michael Caine. What do you don't recognize him? I know he doesn't look too good. Uh, Mr. Caine. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this? This this Vin Diesel. He can't you, get along with the rock. You never turn down work. Do you think I did Joe's the revenge because the rich writing? I did Muppets Christmas Carol for fuck's sake. I'm an Academy Award winner. Here's Absolutely. what you got to do. Yeah. Stop being a cunt and get to work. Right. Ka-ching, Thank you. Ka-ching. Did you hear what Michael Caine says, Evan? He says, stop being a cunt and get to work. And this I've is been a guy. in over 750 films, and I choose the roles based on the locations. <laughs> M- Mr. Caine, this, I'm sure you agree with me. If you are The Rock or Vin Diesel, you find a way to get along and you make a lot of money, right? Of course. Listen, if they were filming Human Centipede Part 24, whatever, and I was the last person in the chain eating the shit, and they told me it was filming filming in Bermuda, I'd be there the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You're proving my point. Thank you, Mr. Kane. I know you're very busy. You're probably working on a project right now, right? I'm 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 doing as much as I can. Whatever they'll give me, I'll play anybody, anytime. I would fight that little Chucky doll if it was somewhere warm <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> right. I understand. Well, uh, for those of you in Hollywood, if you listen to the show, Michael Kane is available to fight the Chucky doll if you got some kind <laughs> and of And the free lunches alone. I would take two I... to three sandwiches from the craft services table. I have lunch for days. You're a real actor, and I admire your work ethic. And, uh, and I'm sure, as a fellow actor, you say to Vin Diesel and uh, The Rock, learn to get along. And, and, and this director of uh, Fast and Furious, I mean, Vin Diesel, what are you, crazy? Get along with these people. Stop being difficult. Go ahead, Michael Caine. You got the last word. Muppet Christmas Co. bought me a fucking Italian villa. I was right. talking to a sock with eyes glued on it, and I still did my best acting. Right, right, right. Well, by the way, tell the kids out there who want to go into acting, what is the best way to act with a puppet, like a like a sock? Like you, 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 you had a sock with eyeballs on it. How do you? What do you do? <laughs> the most important thing that you need to do is you need to do a brown bear and honey bustle. Take the baker's dozen and do a peat tong and apples and pears. And if you go straight for the Jack Jones, don't do a jam heart. Just make the loaf more more of a mutton and a ones and twos. And don't wow. make pork pies more like a tea leaf. Sorry, that's code word that. for that's some b- of the uh, Cockney talk. But once you break it down, you'll understand the secrets. Well, let me tell you something. You've said a lot, and thank you for that. It is a great guy, and he knows what he's doing. All right, Evan, I hope you learned a lesson from one of the greatest actors of all time. The Mr. greatest acting coach of our generation, Michael uh, That's right. It's where I learned to act. I watched this video, and you saw what I did. All right. Thank you, Evan. I'm going to take his advice and stop being a cunt and get back to work. I watched the Michael Caine uh, video, and I went downstairs to act, and Ivan Reitman said, go back upstairs and watch a different video. (laughs) There you go. Thank you, Evan. (laughs) Robin, I do, before uh, Billy and Perry arrive this morning, I must must, um, read you the fan feedback. 
Uh, yesterday, that was a lot and to take in. Yesterday, we had uh, Ronnie evaluating staff members' moms, and you know it was very difficult to to deal with. On a lot of levels, uh, in honor of Mother's Day, we did that, Robin. Yes, we had Ronnie evaluate <laughs> some of the staff mothers. And Ronnie had no idea who they were when he evaluated them. Right. No, he was just honest about anonymous women and what he thought of them. But, you know, these guys were reeling at the end. Well, the fans loved it. I'll read you some of the email. My favorite. My favorite do, Ronnie. Sex extraordinaire. He hit another home run on Tuesday. There's no better way to celebrate Mother's Day than by hearing Ronnie evaluate his co-workers' mothers. Howard, after listening to the Ronnie Rate Staffer's Mom segment, I'm completely dead. I have never laughed so hard in my life. The best line was, she looks like the chick from Father Knows Best. Oh, boy, is he showing his age. Uh, Howard, Ronnie's evaluations were hilarious. If Ronnie says she has that cutie pie look, one more time, I'm going to vomit. So the fans were shaken. And... Um, uh, here's some more follow-up fun if you want to hear it. We uh, got reactions from the moms. Yeah. Oh. Where's Ronnie? Um, and guys, come on come on with us. Uh, open up your microphones because uh, this is interesting. Um, I, I love Sal's mic. Have you heard any of these, Ronnie? The moms uh, came no. back. Cutie pie look. Cutie pie no, look, I, yeah. I haven't. I haven't heard anything. All right. Sal, I love your mom. She was really angry with Ronnie and disgusted. <laughs> really? Thinks he's a disgrace and filthy, right? Oh, she, yeah, she, it was really difficult playing it for her. I mean, again, I, I just felt bad. I'm like, mom, I hope you don't mind this. I go, it's for the show. And she couldn't believe it. She was so disgusted. What did Ronnie, what was Ronnie's comments about your mom again, Sal, if you don't mind? She said she has that. nice hands that are great for hand jobs. Uh, that right. she'd be down for anything. You can shoot a load all over her tits, and she would be fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sal played this for his mother, and here was Sal's uh, mom's honest reaction to Ronnie. You are a disgusting pig. Let your mother to do a blowjob to you. Don't. I, I'm very disgusted the way, the way you think about me. I'm not that kind of person. You are a pig, pig, pig. <laughs> wow. Well, there it is, Ronnie. Uh, well, you didn't know. In all fairness, Ronnie, you didn't right. know it was Sal's mom. No, I had no idea who they were. <laughs> <laughs> Sal, it must be unbelievable to play that. Ronnie, you know, she could a good blowjob. She could shoot your load all over her chest. I mean. Uh, I even asked my mom. I, go, uh, I asked her if my dad was close by, and he was, and he was out playing lotto. Thank God, because I, I, don't, I, I don't think I can... You know, I was able to isolate my mom without my dad around because I don't think my dad would have liked it at all as well. I, right. think, I think your dad would have hit you over the head with a loaf of bread. If he, uh, <laughs> well, uh, OK, let's move on to some of the other reactions. Will's mom got a 7.5 rating from Ronnie. He liked her Catholic schoolgirl vibe. Um, Mrs. Murray felt Ronnie got the wrong impression of her. Uh, Will, what can you tell us? Was your mom shaken when uh, you played this for her? Yeah, she was a little put off, which is funny because nothing really shocks you know her at this point. But I think the just the idea of being sexualized made her very uncomfortable. So, right. uh, yep. 
And and what was Ronnie's comments about your mom? Refresh our memory. Well, b- basically that she was like a sexual dynamo. He was going to, you know, she looks like a little Catholic schoolgirl. He was going to pull her off her bus and finger her. Sounds like an assault. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 It sounded like police should have been called. Right. Uh, here is Will's mom's reaction to Ron. The, the, the big debate from everybody was like, do you want Ronnie to be attracted to your mom or you not want him to be attracted to your mom? So were, were you happy that he was into you or, or were you rather he'd not be attracted to you? Uh, I fear I'd be a great disappointment to Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor mom. All right. I think that's enough. Thanks, mother. Okay, thank God. All right. In other Bye. words, your mom Bye. said she would not want to be fingered in her Catholic school girl uniform. <laughs> not well, right yeah, off right. the bus. Yes. <laughs> not right off the bus. <clears throat> exactly. I would take her off the bus and finger her. <laughs> did she actually go to Catholic school? No, but she did go to private school, so she did have the little uh, the uniform, uniform and everything. Uh, nice. Right. Nice. Ronnie knows. Ronnie knows. Ronnie knows nothing. <laughs> Ronnie, can you imagine Will's mom in that little private school uniform? <laughs> yeah, man. The, the little crest on the jacket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Would you come plaid, on the crest? The little plaid miniskirt, oh, man. God. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Wolfie's mom, Wolfie's uh, lovely mother, got a seven. Got a seven. And boy, oh boy, she gave Ronnie a taste of his own medicine. (laughs) Wolfie asked her to evaluate a photo of Ronnie. What, what, Uh -uh. what, what, What was going on there, Wolfie? Why is your mother so angry with Ronnie? She she was so pissed off about this. This did this conversation did not go well at all. And she was just focused on the fact like what does Ronnie look like to evaluate my looks? She just wanted to know what he looked like, so I right. sent her a picture. And here's Wolfie's mom and she was not pleased. Uh he looks like an old man that uh I have I would have no interest in him. He could think what he thinks of me, but no. No interest of him. The mustache and beard are, are are so gray that he actually looks like he's probably about 78, 79 years old. So I, I would have no interest in him. So I don't care what he thinks of me. As far as the tattoos on his arm, I think it just looks like big blobs that uh, whoever did it did not do a very good job. That's another turnoff. I don't like the tattoos that he has. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very handsome, how would you rate Ronnie's looks? I would say he's probably about a 3. A 3? Yeah, about a 3. A three. I mean, uh, he's no Johnny Depp, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, well, Wolfie, what did it, Ronnie say about your mom specifically that seemed to set her off? So so he started off kind of nice. He said she was a cutie pie, but then he said that she looks like she takes it in the ass. And oh, that's what, <laughs> that's what angered her. She she was calling him a pedophile. Like she 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 went off. She was so angry. <laughs> Well, Ronnie, you were kinder to Wolfie's mom than she was to you. I mean, uh, yeah, you actually, well, uh, she looked like fun, but what are you going to do? I guess you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're Hey, I didn't know it was Wolfie's mom, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I'd make her scream for Jesus. She has <laughs> no idea. You know what I'd do? I would stuff her face in the pillow 
So I didn't have to hear her big yap when I was fucking her in the ass. <laughs> he, he said that, that Wolfie's mom had a big ass, and that means that she's into anal, which I don't quite <laughs> understand. How it's a talking. Yeah. Yeah, you could not even see her ass in the picture. It's like he's got pervy x-ray vision. <laughs> he fills in the gaps. Now, Ronnie... Uh, I know with Mike Perlman's mom, Mike was so upset at first he didn't even want you to play your evaluation. I got to tell you, I'm looking at the picture, Mike, of your mother, and I don't mean to get crazy, but she's the best looking mom of them all. I don't know what Ronnie f fucking planet he's on. What a bot on your mom. I uh, mean, she's super I agree. Not right? Fair. I agree. When I Mike, received what? all the pictures, I was like, this is the hottest mom. Yeah, like, you can like, see like her nipples through the uh, bathing suit. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, your mom is a very hot mom. Like, I dare I say MILF. I mean, uh, she. So you must have been shocked when Ronnie uh, gave her the bad evaluation, right? Well, I mean, well, it's a good thing for me because I don't want Ronnie anywhere. You know, I don't want Ronnie anywhere near my mother. But um, you know, <laughs> oh yes, you do. Good thing. But uh, I think I, I think she I, I she had kind of had the same reaction. I think she was gonna take like you know. He was like muscular and uh, the yeah, short muscular. hair and like yeah. you know I didn't I didn't you know I don't think you know she doesn't think she looks like that I don't think she really appears as muscular either but um, I think that's what kind of because you know as I said yesterday my mom's like very feminine you know she works in the fashion industry and like I knew she was going to be upset by by Ronnie's uh, description that's why were guys always hitting were guys always hitting on your mom. No, not really. Really, I mean, uh, Ronnie, I'm shocked you didn't think she was, uh, you know. Dude, I don't, I don't remember seeing. I don't have that picture, so I can't even remember what it was. Look at that! I'll show you right there. Look in the camera. Oh, hey. wow. look at her in a bathing suit. Jesus, that's one hot dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the body of a model. What do you? All right. Well, anyway. Mrs. Perlman had something to say. Here's her reaction to um, Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. I guess all I could say is that I'm not your type. It's too bad. What can I say? I, I don't think I'm very muscular. I mean, I've, if anything, I would think I looked a little thin, which is something that I know is not appealing to him. But this was a while ago. There you go. Well, Ron, uh, you... <laughs> She says she is feminine, and uh, she don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ronnie, uh... I was asked speechless. my opinion. I gave him. Right. Ronnie's entitled to his opinion. It's all right. How are you guys feeling afterwards? Does it feel awkward, uh, Mike, that uh, Ronnie uh, had that to say about your mom? No, not really. It's okay. I mean, what, what right. can you expect from Ronnie? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you Truth. what. It's true. <laughs> John Blitzmom. John Blitzmom. She didn't fare well at all, as I recall. No, she got a five, and Ronnie said she'd be a cold fish in bed. And John yesterday said, my mom wants to fuck Ronnie to prove that she's not a cold fish in bed. And then he was accused of going over the top and making shit up and blah, 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 blah. But listen to this. Here is John Blitz's mom. Michelle. Okay. Michelle is her name. Yep. She says she wants to fuck Ronnie and let listen to her. Uh, Mike, you were wrong about John Blit. I'm telling you. Okay. Listen to this. <laughs> you got me right. Except that I wasn't trying to be cool right. in those days. Now, would you have sex with him to prove that you're a 10 in the bed? Jonathan, you... are you, am I being recorded right now? Yes. Would you have sex with him to prove to him that you're a 10? Of course I will. You will? Yep. 
Okay. Would you rather me fly you to Vegas for the weekend? No, let him come to Montreal. You want him to come to Montreal. Okay, so I'll fly yeah, him to sure. Montreal. Okay. Okay. All right, love, love you. you. Thanks. Ronnie, what do you think? Will you fly to Montreal and fuck John Blitz? Uh, My treat. I'll pay for the ticket first class. <laughs> and no. she'll show you. Please. He's a 10. He's a 10. Um, how's your dad? Is he okay with this or is he gone? No, they're separated. So my mom is oh. single and ready to fuck Ronnie. <laughs> Please. You know, I don't want her name to be tarnished on national radio, Ronnie. She fucks well, one, good. One mom who was really thrilled was uh, Jason's mom. She got a seven and she was very flattered. She liked, oh. she liked Ronnie's evaluation. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, I think she really enjoyed someone talking about her in a sexual way at all. Ronnie is a charmer. I'm telling yeah. you, you know the rules. Ronnie will hit on ten women. If one of them goes for it, then he's there. Uh, yeah. uh, She's right, got that pegging is... twinkle in her eye. <laughs> what did, Jason, what did Ronnie say about your mom? She wants it in the ass, too. She right? also wants it in the ass for some reason, even though you can't see her ass in the picture. They all do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but the big thing with the, the dick, the dick sucking lips, that she had lips for, that were good for dick sucking. And my mom started telling me the history of these. She's like, you know, we get these lips from my father. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Her father, grandpa sucked a lot of dick. Uh, is that what I she's saying? I opened the door up there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. All right. Here is Jason's mom flattered by Ronnie's evaluation. Seven is nice. Um, I'm glad it wasn't less. It could have been more. She was silly and funny, but okay, it's fine. There you go. Ronnie said you were, you were fun and sexy. Well, that's that's very nice. Thank you, Ronnie. All right, mm. very nice. I think he's there fun and go. sexy too. Mm. He is fun and sexy, don't I know? I sat in a car with him uh, many times. I was bored, and boy, oh boy, did he bring it on. Ronnie, uh, so some of the women were char charmed by your comments, so that must make you feel good. And uh, you stand by your words. She has nice, uh, as you say, dick-sucking lips, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, Jason, it would be my honor to put my dick in the hole that you crawled out of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, another lady was very flattered. Uh, the mom who came out the best, Ronnie was like, Ronnie was ready to marry her. Uh, Mike Fox, your mom got a nine, a nine, almost yeah. a ten, the highest of any staff mom. You seem proud of that. It's weird. What is it, Gary Delabate? What is it about? Um, wanting Ronnie to find your mom hot. It's disturbing, but you do want to win, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very competitive, but you get weirded up because, I mean, you don't want... The, the worst thing would be like, oh, she's a skank, she's ugly, but then the 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 other worst thing is she looks like she fucked everybody at the school or the college, so you got to be looking for like a middle ground. But okay, I had a weird Mike. thing last night. I had a weird thing last night. You know, uh, uh, my son Jackson's home, and, and, and we sat down at dinner with my wife, and I was like, hey, you guys, you know, did you listen to the show today? And my wife said she didn't. And I started to explain the bit. I said, you know, Ronnie evaluated everyone. So they both perked up. And I was like, yeah, grandma's an eight. And, and then they said, well, what'd you say about, what'd you say, what'd he say about her? And I, and I said, I wanted to like test it. So I said, well, you know, he said that, um, Sal's mom looks like she gives a good blow job. And my wife looks so disgusted that I just shut it down. 
I just I was like, yeah, that was, that was like grandma's cool. That's cool. Yeah, what did Ronnie say about your mom again? He, he said, she looks uh, like she, she would love to be eaten out a lot. <laughs> you didn't tell your son that the grandma no, no, looks no. like <laughs> that's the chicken Mike your mom was later. complimented she got the nine what did uh, were you proud that Ronnie uh, was so in love with your mom did it sort of give you this weird sense of pride I mean of, of course she's one of you know my I'm the offspring so you would think hopefully that means the attractiveness passed down but but to Gary's point once Ronnie starts talking about blowjobs and she looks she's going to look you in the eye when she's blowing you it's just, no, I didn't feel complimented at all. I felt disgusted. And, uh, you know, thinking about Ronnie climbing on top of my mother, it's just an awful visual. And, uh, I, I explained to someone, I said, Ronnie's like you, Hefner. He's gross, but you still want his approval. You still right. want to know that your mom did well. You're like, proud and grossed out at the same time. Well, Mike, your mom got a nine, and she, too, seemed to be taken with Ronnie. When a guy compliments, it's a good lesson. It, it shows Ronnie you. is on to something here. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just by looking at her, I mean, fucking yeah. blowjob be amazing. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. She could stare at you with those eyes, man, while she's blowing you, man. It would be fucking awesome. <laughs> All right, so what did you think? I guess I would say I'm kind of flattered. I mean, you know, it's a little graphic for me, but... um I know. That's the way it was back then. Do you think Ronnie is attractive? Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie's cool. If something should happen to Dad, would you give Ronnie a call? No, I don't call men. They call me. Yeah, well, we know that. I mean, there you go. See? Yeah, yeah, Ronnie's ready to call. What are you talking about? I'm not giving you that phone number. Asshole. Ronnie, if Mike's, uh, you're not giving him the number? Oh, fuck that. I don't care if my dad like dies tomorrow. Fuck you. <laughs> well, Ronnie will find a way to get that number. Ronnie, if Mike's uh, father does pass away, you will call uh, Mike's mom and uh, maybe uh, make a date. Uh, I think that's fair to say, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 she'd probably howl like a wolf while you were slamming her tight. What's funny yeah, is, well, her I last name is Fox. Pussy. Yeah. Fox. I thought you, I thought Ronnie was going to, you know, she had that wedding hat on and she looked yeah. like she was from like 1895. I thought Ronnie was going to say, what the fuck is wrong with her? Meanwhile, you know, you know he got right past that and into everything yep. else. Of course. No, yeah. he I wasn't knows. looking at hats, pal. <laughs> he knows. He knows what your mom desires, and he can see the look in her eye. And uh, he does I, know. It didn't make I look it. At tits I, and cunts. Right. She said she You're likes Jewish. She likes Jewish men, and Ronnie's Jewish, so you know he's got that. Barely. Going, barely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. What a tribute to moms everywhere to have your mom evaluated by Ronnie, yeah. the limo driver. Yeah. And right away, Gary, when, when you're at the table tonight with your kids, tell them that I would nose fuck your mother in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie should guys. go on the road and start fucking moms all across America. Get a van. Just... <laughs> yep, Ronnie's available for fucking, and uh, he, he knows how to do it. All right, well, thank you, Ronnie, for the evaluation. Thank you, guys, and thank your moms for me for being yes, good sports. Yes, they were good thank sports. You. Thanks, yes. Sal, for not telling me. You got it. Thanks. Linda, you're on the air. Hi, Howard. Hi, Robin. Hi. How are you? Hi. Good, good. Hi. I'm a little nervous to be talking to you on the air right now, but I'm kind of like, I'm a new fan. I just started listening to you about like a month and a half ago. Um, I was traveling back and forth between Saratoga and New York City to get radiation. So I was uh, basically, you know, I called Sirius to 
um, have your channel added, and I've just kind of been a fan ever since. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the um, conversations you've had, but one of the really cool ones was with Sherry Crow. When I was in high school, um, a girl who was a few years older than me was in a car accident on the side. Um, she was pulling into um, a store and kind of did a wide turn and was killed by a tractor trailer, um, a tractor trailer truck. And so she was like such a huge fan of Cheryl's. And um, Cheryl, they all of her friends ended up going to a Cheryl Crow concert. And her father went, and Sharon Crow met with them all, got a picture, hung out with them. And she just seems like such an awesome human being. Um, yes, she is. Well, thank you, Linda. And I'm glad you're a new fan. Uh, you bummed me out I a am. little bit t- telling me about your friend. I was on a real high. Uh, oh, but, uh, I'm sorry. I know I completely changed subjects on you from what I was just previously listening to. I mean, <laughs> well, your I'm poor a, friend. I mean, uh, you yeah, know, uh, yeah. accidents, radiation. Time. What a fun call. But uh, thank you for oh, being a fan, I'm Linda. Sorry. I feel so bad for also. Linda. Think of, Robin, think of all the shows Linda has missed. All the great times. I know. All the great I was like, moments. where was she all that time? Yeah, we were doing oh, my God. Teaching. <laughs> well, Linda, you make sure to listen to right Howard 101 as we do... Uh, Many, many um, uh, blasts from the past. We have many shows that uh, you'll be able to catch up and learn your yeah, Howard get the Stern history show. of the whack pack, all kinds of things. Oh yes, and uh, can I tell you my and, two favorites though that I listened to while you were while I was driving? Yeah. My favorite interview was Molly Shannon. Yes, um, that was so good. And then the impersonation of your parents at dinner. My husband and I talk about it all the time. Um, oh, thank you. How you went out to dinner and they would, they would dance after, you know, you would have to order your yes. the food that your father wanted you to order. I'm so glad my pain brings you such happiness. <laughs> thank you, Linda. And I hope you're okay with your radiation oh, and everything fine. else. Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, but I'm and, good. Send us a picture of your mom, please, so Ronnie can evaluate oh, it. And we'll find um, out if you, my mom if, is 78. I don't know. That's no problem. That's no problem. That cutie pie look. That's right. Thank you, Linda. Very good. Have a nice day. When we come back, uh, two of my favorite guys in the whole world, Billy Corgan, who is a masterful genius at his craft. One of, one of the greats. Everything from his rock videos, particularly during the uh, MTV years. Oh, my God. And, and Perry Farrell, a true innovator, genius. The man who created Lollapalooza, Jane's Addiction, Porno for Pyros, just two brilliant artists in the same room together. But first, Billy Corgan, Perry Farrell are here today with us. Love these two guys. I love that they're together. Me too. They're a handsome couple, Robin. Look at Oh, look. Unity. There they are. Look at you. Today's word, unity. Unity is the word of the day. I couldn't have said it, it better myself. Let's do it. Look at, Let's make it that. Look at the two of you together. <laughs> Billy Corgan, Perry Farrell. Come on. Two of my favorite dudes. I was just playing Led Zeppelin. and uh, We know. <laughs> you heard it. And Yeah, I heard it. But something. can I say something? Please. What's this with no vinyl? What's with you? 
I'm not into vinyl. I knew you two maniacs would be into vinyl. Uh, you know what? I'm Listen. more into vinyl than you know, man. I don't eat unless I have a record playing. So really? you're going to starve me if you make fun of vinyl. Billy, are you into vinyl too? Of course you are. Yeah, I have like 4,000 records. Oh, Jesus. But you know what and it I is? Love Look, it. I, I mean, I live with the when equipment. you're making love, Howard, you need the vinyl. I don't know. Or eat the vinyl. Eating <laughs> You know what it might be? I was a radio DJ for so many years where you play records for a living. And the records were such pressure. To oh. get that next record on to do the segue, oh, I used okay. to go, I had nightmares that I'd run out and have dead air. And I, it's, you know what? The records are too much pressure. It's too much. Oh, I for get me. it. It's it like is. having a bad, a uh, bad marriage, you know. It's like yeah, yeah. It it, it 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 gave you like uh, nightmares. Vinyl PTSD is what. You're well, saying. I well. I uh, I had a great big vinyl collection, and then of course during my junkie years, I unloaded it all for junk, and I Did missed you? it so much. Oh, what huh? a terrible thing! You had to sell yeah. your record collection for for dope. Yeah, oh. it's so and sad, I bought isn't it? That's Don't a great. I, so I was sorry for me. <laughs> I bought yeah, them all. I got them all, like, Perry. If you want them, Billy's like Michael Jackson. He went ahead and uh, you know, he, it's like when he bought the Beatles catalog. He's like, hey, Perry, I'll take those cheap, of course, and uh, and I'll work. That. No, Billy That's what they worked. Did. Perry, you you probably know this, but Billy worked at a, a used record store growing up. I did not know that for a pedophile. What? Or no, sorry, an alleged pedophile. I mean, because really? you would know. Yeah, no, he was an alleged yeah. pedophile twice. Twice alleged pedophile. Okay, so then you definitely know. Twice he allegedly was a pedophile. Yes, I heard all about it from him. He didn't oh. come on to you, though, did he? I mean, were you... No, I wasn't his, his type. <laughs> no, not his type. Did that hurt your feelings? I, <laughs> I, 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 I realized what his type was when he'd bring in these young uh, boys to work on weekends and say, you know, please take care of young Phil here. He's going to... And did gonna... you say, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I did not. Oh, no. okay, good. No. You know what I was thinking, too? I was thinking about you two guys. First of all, you have an announcement to make to both of you, but I don't know if you want to make it now or should we wait and do a build-up. But maybe we should do it now because I will draw parallels to the two of you. I have seen similar... Are you guys good friends? Yes. We've, we've, we've shared dinner in each other's homes, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's okay. taking I'm... me shopping for antiques. Yes. And he's such a kind man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, Plus our so wives. Good, our wives well, are I'm friends. not married, but our partners are close, too. Yeah. So we, I, we share see, a lot of family stuff. Yeah. This makes Two Asian chicks. <laughs> oh, is that right? Billy, is your wife yeah. Asian? She's half Chinese and half... Uh, Jewish. Uh, Jew. No kidding. She's, uh, Ashken, yeah, she's Ashkenazi. So she's Chinese Jew. As no as my friend said when I when I met her, he said, did you build her in a test tube? <laughs> I've I've never met your I've never met your wife, but I've certainly met Perry's, and I got to tell you, I go okay. nuts for this. You have woman. to tell I mean, me. Et, Etty's <laughs> the best. Etty's the best. Etty is what is Etty? I mean, um, she's a joy, a force of nature. <laughs> she's a joy. She is a joy. Yeah. She's something. You know, Perry once. I don't know how many years. The last time I saw you was what 2017 or something. You came in and you did. Um, was it that long ago? I don't know, but. Perry comes in with the band and Etty 
And Etty's wearing an outfit, and you know, she's <laughs> dancing around on there. I can't even pay attention to Perry. I'm so hypnotized. I've watched that video of that performance 50,000 times, literally. Oh, now, if you had it on vinyl, Perry. if you had it on vinyl, we have no idea. Now I can't get that image out of my head. All right. Oh, well, I can't help it. What can I say? But I It's realize... like you with records. Now I got this thing. <laughs> I'm, I think we should make the announcement now that you guys want to make because I will, I'm going to show you how karma works because the two of you have a lot in common. I don't even know if you guys realize. I don't know if you've drawn the parallels in your lives. Um, but uh, I was even thinking... You know, I was playing Queen a little bit uh, a while ago, and I was talking about Queen and the blah, 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 and how Bowie came into the studio with um, with Queen, and they created Under Pressure. And by the way, why don't more artists do that? Like, when you guys were over each other's homes, why don't you say, oh. hey, let's see if we could do a song together or something? Like, yeah. like, Bowie walked in on Queen, and they wrote Under Pressure, and they did it rather quickly. It was just fucking around. It was kind of fun. Why is that, Perry? Why don't you, when you're at Billy's house, don't you say, you know, let's fuck around and see if we come up with something? I'll tell you why. It's it's because we're uh, selfish bastards. <laughs> Explain. Rock and roll guys are selfish bastards. The hip-hop cats, they got it right. They always collaborate. But we're trying to change things, Howard. Trying to change are you the industry. saying, <laughs> Billy, is Perry saying, in other words, if you've got a riff running around in your head... You'll say to yourself, is this a fuck? I think this is something. Why would I give it to Perry? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> is that really assassins. true? But it's starting we're, to change, we're, we're though. Like, it's, I, I, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if the country people get it right and, yeah. and the, and the hip-hop hip people cats. get it right, they, they, they go for heat, you know, as we say in wrestling. Yep. We grew up in a generation where we were told it has to be about you. It has to be about you. It has to be about you. And right. I think that kind of warps your brain. Yeah. And now that we're a little bit older... I think we look at those things and say, like, because we're playing here today, it's like, wow, this is a lot of fun, you know? Like, why don't we do more of this? And together, and together. we're mighty. Yeah, together. Yeah. We're well, unified. The the what you're saying is, as you get older, you get more secure if you're successful. You get yes. more mature, and you say, you know what? But, you know, Billy, in a way, when you worked with Courtney Love, you were the mastermind. I mean, that whole album is so fucking brilliant. And I, I mean, I, I think it is one of the best, but Billy essentially wrote the songs. I was listening yesterday to the song Malibu. And I know you have the co-writing credit on that song. You were very generous. You wrote songs for her. So it's the opposite of what you and Perry are saying now. You actually sat down with her and wrote songs for her and gave her, because I could hear you doing Malibu and doing it better than Courtney. Yeah, the story on that is she said, I, can you write me a Fleetwood Mac song? I want a Fleetwood mm. Mac song going up the PCH. And so I wrote that song. Oh, and, like to and order. I hear it. <laughs> like take, like take out. <laughs> have you ever sung that song, Malibu? We have actually. We performed it for a while, um, on stage, with the pumpkins. Um, Good. Beautiful song. But, but the thing is, 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 is it's easy to say, oh yeah, I, I wrote that. But I mean, Courtney's sort of essence in the room and, and us talking about the song. I never would have written that song without her. And of course she added the, you know, the things that make it magical. So, um, it really is a collaboration, but I think like if we work together, it would very much be like, do you like that? You know, it's not, there's no Svengali thing going on there. It's the right. Stuff. <laughs> you know what
I hear Billy all over this. I could hear him singing it. I, I mean... Uh, uh, do me a favor and write me a Fleetwood Mac song uh, and get on that quick. Because uh, okay, shit, now you got it, right, Perry? Are you are you in a helicopter or what? You know, where, where are we going? <laughs> no, I guess I'm in Fleetwood Mac and I'm fighting with Lindsey Buckingham. You know, because annoying me and uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I get, but I mean, you know, it, 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 it's the point I'm making. I could see the two of you guys sitting down and doing something together. I don't know. I, I just could see it. I could just well, we have it. a long, long, crazy history where the bands kind of intersected. And um, like the quick start of our story is um, the Pumpkins opened for Jane's in 1988. The week Nothing right. Shocking was coming out, I, I believe, right around Thanksgiving. And uh, we didn't know each other then, but that's the first time we all kind of met. And we literally have had this crazy history back and forth through all these years. So it's, it's beautiful. The origin story of how Billy Corgan knows Perry Farrell is that... 1988 chains addictions happening and you guys are the openers yes and uh and perry was good to you right i mean his band was good to you they were nice to you and let's face it sometimes when you're the opening act people just shit on you but they were generous and they were well, he, kind to you do you have a minute to, for me to tell the story because it's a good story i would love to hear it okay so um so there was a there was a a band that was scheduled to be the opening band, and they were caught in some sort of sexual misdeeds in the club. So they were booted from the bill, and we replaced that band. Like twice, were they? they did two, was your two boss sexual in the band? Well, we only opened you for you uh, on on the one night. Uh, it was the first night that they played, oh. and we had we had already had a previously scheduled date. So we went to that club and said, "Hey, we got this amazing opportunity open for Jane's Addiction Metro in Chicago, sold out show." And the club owner was like, not having it. So we we kind of came to some compromise where we were able to open for Jane's, but we still had to go do our other show. So so we were totally bummed out because we wanted, of course, to stick around show. So um, we met all the band, but Perry wasn't there. The word was he was in another city and had not yet arrived. So the whole day was this anxiety about, will Perry arrive? Will Perry arrive? And, I, you know, I, I'd already been listening to the records. And so Perry's already a mythic figure in my mind. So as we're loading out our equipment, a car pulls up and you see people running around because they're trying to get him on stage because it's already late. And out of the car wobbles Perry, <laughs> circa 88. And I just watch him kind of wobble in the club. And that was my first encounter of Perry. So, Perry, and then years well, later. Why, why were you wobbling? Were you, uh, were you addicted at that time? Were you uh, having trouble yeah. with drugs? You were. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? If you had to do it all over again, what, you know, when you think about your life. Do you wish you were sober for that part of your life just so you could really have experienced it? Or do you think it was all part of the fucking scene? Uh, it, it's all it? part of it because, you know, uh, it's almost like uh, the obstacle is the uh, is almost like the obstacle. If you can overcome the obstacle, that's the answer. So I'm going I obviously have some obstacles to hurdle. But yeah. when you hurdle them, if you get on the other side, you can, I don't know, you can be a help. You can figure things out, maybe make things, the situation better in the world. So that's, that's how I look at it. When you two are over each other's homes for dinners, have you ever had, I mean, maybe it's too heavy a conversation, but this is the immediate parallel between the two of you. The two of you had such horrible beginnings, as bad as it gets. I'm talking about your childhood. Does that bond you in a sense, Perry? I imagine your addiction was steeped in pain, the pain of your childhood. 
Um, you know, your mother committed suicide when you were four years old. Right. It's a it's a tough topic, but I mean, and Billy's mother and father divorced and left Billy essentially. He lived in how many different homes did you live in? Like five different homes or something? Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy time. Crazy time. I mean, I'm, you're talking about really bad shit. I, I mean, I I can't even. I mean, I have my complaints about things that happened to me in my childhood, but nothing along the lines where my you know, as a child, if you go, my mother is gone. Why did she leave me? That's the ultimate pain, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's. Uh, I don't want to say better. That's just the wrong word. I don't think it gets more difficult than that, especially your mother, because you're yes. you, know, you come from your mother. So if if you lose the root, your wellspring, your source. I mean, where do you go from there? Yeah. Do That's you two funny. ever take comfort in that? That you both had that same experience where you were abandoned by your parents. Do you both talk about that, or is it too heavy a thing? You don't get into that. We ever have that I remember. Uh, you know, it's just because out of respect, I don't want to bring up something that might, you know, hurt you real bad. Just off the top, off the top, you know, how did your mother treat you, or what happened to you? Unless you're ready to talk about it, but you are right, Howard. That. Uh, you know, much like Dave Navarro, I find that people that have been, you know, really nailed in life, like I say, that's the obstacle, but they seem to, if they, if they can jump over the obstacle, they've got a whole lot of news to, to tell people, you know, they become messengers and that's what Billy did. And yeah, I know about your past and I know about your, you know, childhood. I don't talk about it but I do feel a kindred spirit. Yeah. I mean, my sense is when we're together, it's more or less like a celebration. You know what I mean? But you Cause there's it. a sort of, war well, yeah. for me, my relationship with Perry is very personal because, um, you know, I, I admired him before I knew him and then he right. became a friend. So when we're breaking bread together and, and knowing what he went through and knowing what I went through and, and, and being friends with Etty as well and knowing our partner's, talk about family like that's such an accomplishment from where we came from i'm not trying to project my version on him but that's my yeah, sense true. of it is yeah. it's such an accomplishment that we have stable relationships we have a yep. warm homes we live in safe homes where our partners right. really are the are the you know, the true power in our lives it's such right. a beautiful thing so i look at real admiration uh, with real admiration to perry that he pulled his life together found a wonderful partner has built a life to be right. admired. It's such yeah. a journey. And to, and so, you know, literally for me, the first time I ever saw Perry was wobbling into a club. Right. And I saw him play two nights later, because we went back two nights later when they played again. It blew my mind. One of the greatest bands I've ever seen. Greatest. Live. Right. Yep. Yes, I mean, top, top, top. I mean, it doesn't get any better. Thank you. So seeing that... You and guys then, are great, too. Thank you. But to see that and then break bread together and know each other's families and still be connected and to have such warmth that that's the comp that's what he's saying that's the accomplishment that's it's, it is. it's hard to quantify that but 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 that's also something that only he and i could understand in a particular way yeah you know yeah yep. it, there's a there's yeah. a there's a love and respect there that you go i kind of get it even though i don't know your version you know yeah. you know the versions are actually very close it's uh that's why i think you guys could take some comfort in one another and 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 billy so many of your songs deal with um you know real real depression 
and I and, and it's understandable. To, and, and I think the real victory in your life, much like in Perry's, Perry getting through drug addiction, you getting over suicidal tendencies and and um, and and real pain and depression. I mean, you 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 still battle that, right? I mean, you still probably get those moments of sadness. Less and less with kids, you know. Right. Less and less, I think. But yeah, there are moments where you sort of look out the window and go, "Oh, this just doesn't make any sense." Right. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's a it's a mad world. I mean, you talk Especially about especially when uh, you drive by homeless. Yeah. That's that's Being what here in gets LA, me that's tough. Yeah. every every single time you see homeless camps, and then I just start spinning out for a moment, and it it's almost harder because we're not homeless anymore so right. i feel really really bad for them I almost feel like oh god I, I i can't imagine having to be that guy you know as we drive into hollywood you know i i have a nice house now yeah but, you know were there years where you were homeless i mean your your um Me? your dad wasn't yeah after your mom committed yeah. suicide your dad married his girlfriend and uh it, right. she was not nice to you he was not nice to you and what did you do you just left because they wouldn't even they wouldn't even let you play instruments or or be into music they were afraid you'd become a musician what age did you <laughs> leave the house what age did you leave uh, as soon as i graduated high school i wanted my high school to degree they're yeah. trying to kick me out of the house you know right and i was like i i'm not leaving because they, they kicked out my brother they kicked out my sister at 15 the same time same right. age when i hit 15 they told me to hit it and i told where do you go off. oh wait, yeah no you, you said the right thing yeah all you right, can thanks. curse you all you want but, but uh, uh, where yeah. does your sister go at 15 if she's if she's she lived out. in a park sister and a boyfriend slept in a park had to leave home because he was dark what the fuck was wrong with your father? Is he still alive? He was just into getting laid. Right. You know? Is he still like alive? all of us? No. <laughs> did he ever did he ever explain himself to you like especially after you became famous? Nope. No. He, he didn't No. Wow. Fuck it. No. I don't think uh you know but you know it, it's funny that you uh you never really know where a person's coming from, you know, like where where we're all when we're all coming at each other, that's not the real, that's not the real, you know, wheels going up in your mind. It's just a front everybody has. And so the truth of it is, I know my father was crushed when I ran off because he had a heart attack after that. Wow. Um, I was missing for about two and a half years. And then somebody contacted me i can't remember but i remember somebody contacted me said your dad had a triple heart bypass he's not going to make it so i finally i i called him finally but yeah. um he didn't have the words you know he wasn't capable of it yeah he, he wasn't capable of saying him, i'm sorry he wasn't right. capable of saying to you son i fucked up no. even on his death but you want me to tell you something howard it was really because my dad, my dad was a jeweler, West 47th Street, the Diamond District. Right. So and he grew up. We uh, he was from Bensonhurst. Uh, the Lansky brothers were went to high school with them. So, you know, I wouldn't say he's ever killed anybody, but, you know, he hung out with wise guys and, you know, everybody in New York City. Everybody's walking around. They were all hanging out together. So he was hanging out with wise guys. And that's what they do, you know, that's just what they do. But they ended up to screw him over. Uh, they were running numbers out of his store and, you know, hot merchandise, this and that. And when they finally took all his money, 
he was trying to, uh, I was working for him and he would always tell me, I got your money. I got your money. I said, well, look, I'm going to graduate. I want my money. I graduated. And what set me off was he said, what money? When I went to him, I said, I'm graduating. I want to go on a surf trip to a Luthera. I had it all planned out. And he said, what money? He couldn't tell me that the mob had ripped him off. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm telling you. You don't really know what's going on up there. The gears, they're all put in fronts. Everybody's doing it, you know? So I forgive him because it was too hard for him to say to his son, well, because he got ripped off. It It wasn't so much that, Howard. It was that. He was too embarrassed to admit that these guys ripped me off and now I can't pay you anything. What a schmuck I am, you know? That's what it really was. So I forgive him. And he was a pretty cool dude. He was a pretty cool dude, you know. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't sound that cool to me. You know what I mean? Well, he was my dad. That's all I had. So I hear you. Uh, Yeah, it's it's. It's the, your dad's your dad. It's yeah. like, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. get another dad. You don't get another one. Although, to yeah. be honest with you, mystics say that you have two fathers. You have a heavenly father and you have a earthly father. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what if you, you know, you, Howard, what? my father passed away right before Christmas. This Christmas? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Last Christmas, yeah. 74. But, 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 just what, Like, I want to say I'm sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. But this is the guy, you know... He threw you out of the house at five years old. I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we reconcile it? No wonder you're depressed. I mean, I, I'm depressed. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, we found music, you know, or music found us. So we've been able to process. I don't, again, I don't want to speak for Perry, but I think we've been able to process a lot of our feelings through music. Yeah, that's and true. then to share that with people is so healing. It, it's, it's hard to quantify, but it's so healing. I mean, I, you know, you know, playing with playing music with Perry, it's like I get to be inside the music with him. You know, I get, you know, these are songs I've listened to, you know, 30 years. Right. It's like I get to be in the music with him. And and so I can feel what he feels. You know, I mean, I'm right there with him. But the beauty is, oh, it's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing as artists. We collectively or individually, we create these things that other people are able to process their grief or their happiness through. And we get to share in that. Yeah, Billy, where did you Bert, live? Bert. But we're talking about homelessness too. That what Perry talks about. Where I wasn't homeless. Did you live? Well, I was. I was. I was discarded to a to a great grandparents' house, basically, an eighty year old um, Belgian immigrant great grandmother and my alcoholic grandfather. So that was an adventure. Mm. I was kind of oh, put in a corner over here. Man, what a miracle! You found music through all that. What a miracle! Yeah, yeah, and Perry. That's why I say, Perry, or music found me. You know. Yeah, but Perry, where did you live when you got when you would get out of high school? Where did you go? Did you live in a the Buick park? Regal? Really? Well, I, I took car. a Greyhound bus out to California. Yeah, I left with a surfboard and some art supplies and some, I guess, some underwear and a toothbrush. You know, <laughs> and I had a half a I had a half a um, lid of weed <laughs> that I was going to borrow. Always, and Don't I did. Always. I borrowed it as soon as I got there. I, I made some money. Don't you always laugh at people? East Coast grass, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got this really good East Coast grass. Yeah. <laughs> guys, isn't it amazing when, when jealous people sit and look at you guys? And uh, it's like when Dire Straits wrote, you know, Money for Nothing. Like, mm-hmm. like, 
oh man, you guys are lucky. You got the life, you know. Fuck you guys. All I have to do is get a guitar and I'll get all the chicks and the money. Man, your struggle has been so intense. There ain't no luck involved in what you guys do. I mean, it is through sheer force you became musical influences. That's how yeah, my I father tried it. that line. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. My father tried that line on me once. He tried to tell me I was lucky, and I said, that ain't luck. <laughs> no, it <laughs> that ain't. ain't luck, Daddy. That's not That's luck. That's drive. That's not luck. I'll tell you about Billy. Billy still practices guitar four hours a fucking day. Not true, Every but I, I would. <laughs> I'm going to go, with, go with this. Yes. Let's go with it. <laughs> but you know you do. He, he practices a lot, and he's still writing. Man, writing music, you both know, man. It, it's just not a lark. you got to work your ass off. Every day. Every fucking day. And yeah. then when the old man, after not being involved, he goes, yeah, you're pretty lucky, dude. Just like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you. It's hey, I'll crazy. tell you a funny thing, Howard. I my dad died. As I as I told you, they told me he was dying, so I went home. And I had I I I had the opportunity to feed my dad a water sponge in his mouth while he was dying. So he was dying, and they I guess they were giving him morphine to, you know, bring him to the bring him to the next place. Yeah. And he was like a little baby. He's laying there in the bed and he was, they go, here, give him some water. He needs some water. They gave me this sponge. You know, like you can sometimes paint with yeah. like a sponge on a Yeah, when somebody's in stick. that last stage of life, they do the sponge thing. I yeah. watched him go and then I kept his morphine. I took his morphine. <laughs> How was it? And I drove off. It was pretty good. Morphine is a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, in the sense that it's a it's it's a it's a good it's a good buzz. <laughs> it really is a miracle. Uh, you know, when you think about the pain, it can dull your pain. It is crazy, and that's why it's for so a damn time, seductive. Yes, yeah, yeah, for a time. Oh man! It, so let me make this. Should I make this announcement, or one of you want to make this announcement? No, you why make, you guys you're going to do it way better than us? I think. Really? Oh, okay, yeah. I'll do it, and I'm you're excited. The, you're about the pro. This, you're but, the pro here. Come on. Okay, but I'm going to, I'll do it in my deep voice. Yeah, uh, please. <laughs> How's this? Oh, yeah. Wow. Listen to that. Yeah. I didn't mean to freak wow. you out, Perry. Sorry, it's okay. Uh, and, Is that a trick and, and, or that's real? Yeah, and, and Billy, I'm not shape-shifting. <laughs> I'm just doing a trick, okay? Um, you know, Billy with the shape-shifting. So, listen to me. The Smashing Pumpkins, and this makes total sense to me. I think this is great news. The Smashing Pumpkins in Jane's Addiction will be going out on the Spirits on Fire tour this October and November. Now, and I'll take that in for a minute. These two great bands with these two great frontmen. It's, it's orgasmic. It'll be beautiful. Pre-sale tickets will be available tomorrow at 10 a.m. And general on-sale tickets will be available this Friday at 10 a.m. I mean, the, the wealth of music between these two bands. Oh, it's just... Uh, Oh, it's just so great. You know, I, for example, I was listening to this song just yesterday. It's a little song called Rockin'. It makes me fucking crazy. Listen, that guitar, that... It brings me to tears. Perry, answer a question. 
Okay. How Wait. is it? How is it? How is it? Duran Duran is going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you two guys are not in the Rock. I I know these things don't mean all that much, but it is sort of fucking bizarre. How is it, yeah, Billy? It Cor- I, I won't even put you on the spot about yourself. How is it, Billy Corgan isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? By the way, we like Duran Duran. I love Duran. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not saying anything against them. They're talented, but Billy goes yeah. in first. Sorry, he goes in first. So do you. Hungry like the wolf. <laughs> what about it? <laughs> yeah, compared to what? I mean, come on, compared to this. I mean, I don't get that whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. It's crazy. And and in a sense, it makes sense that you guys will be on tour together. You're both not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and should be. That's one of the... um, Your childhoods are similar. Your... For some reason, you must have pissed somebody off, maybe Jan Winter or somebody. Rock and Roll Outlaws, Howard. That's it. That's, That's it. what you're looking at, man. See, genuine article. It, rock and roll has become such a business that it's hard for anybody to imagine there are people who are outside the business, who are, <laughs> are truly you? renegades in the business. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because right. they everybody assumes everybody's on that that uh, that little piece of land that they claim. Yeah, but we're not. Well you, well, you know, it's funny. Like when I think about you guys in the in the beginnings of your thing, the, both you guys, you could also say, were really turned off. To what was happening in music at the time you guys came around. So maybe they're um, you know, pissed. You know, Billy Billy and I have <laughs> talked about the nineties, specifically like nineteen ninety one to ninety six being a renaissance in music. Like mind blowing bands coming out. I think the nineties is yeah. one of the best eras of music. And you know, if you think about it and you think about that 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 era, it was so dynamic and so great. And you guys were at the forefront. And really, a lot of what drove you was you hated the glam bands. You both have said, like, like bands, I hate to point one band, but like Poison and that whole scene with the guys in the tights and the, you know, dressing up. And, you know, you felt like music was dead. Would you say that's something that sort of brings you together? It makes sense that now you're together on tour. Yeah, I... um it's never going to die. God will always bring musicians, you know, and sometimes maybe he'll put them in shitty families so that they can yeah. really, like, learn what's up, and then they can report back, and like I say, they can become the messengers. Are you guys as worried? Far as, are you guys worried on tour that, you know, you guys are legendary for, you know, with your bands, you break up, you get back together. You guys, uh, you know, I don't know if it's you or the bands. It's probably the bands. It's not your guys' fault. It's uh, the bands. They're a big pain in the ass. The um, <laughs> do you, Are you guys worried that you two might start fighting, that you two might go out on tour <laughs> together? And maybe the I've business- had a great fight with his tour manager, yes. a real serious wrestle match. He choked really? me out. He was begging <laughs> me to tap out. It's, it's a this legendary is a story. True story at Lollapalooza. His man <laughs> choked my ass out because I told him I was a, 
a champion wrestler, which I was. I was a New York ch- State champion. And I, and I told Doug, yeah, I was. Wait, 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 I told Doug, right. Doug Goodman, and he goes, oh, really? So we started wrestling, <laughs> and I did. I, I fucking took him down. He's a good 20 <laughs> pounds, 40 pounds bigger, but he couldn't take it. So when I went to get up, he choked me, and he knows it. Now, he knows I, now it. Here, here's where the argument <laughs> begins. There, there's actually, right hold on, there's actual video of this. Oh, yeah. Do you so want Perry, it? So, Perry, your point is... <laughs> That this I'm guy, stronger than Doug Goodman. Doug Goodman wrestled you. You beat him fair and square. And then it's as you were done, it's on you get film. up and he gets up behind you. So, so he <laughs> really blindsided you. It really wasn't well, a fair is, thing. You know why, Howard? Because when I came up, there was no um, octagon. We didn't right. tap out. Like your shoulders <laughs> right. hit. You're the winner. So right. I won. But I knew what I was doing. This you know? is a dispute. Him, By the way, this is a dispute. I got him a takedown. Just letting you know. I, I'm not trying to be contrarian, but there's, this is in dispute. Well, the, show the footage. <laughs> show, show the, the footage. footage. Where, where is this? Here go. Now you started a fight. Is he there? Now we're going to fight. There goes the two. Let me hear his Doug side of it. Doug is good. Where is Doug? Please come in. Come over here, Doug. Come on, Doug. Now I'm going to warn you. Doug's a very interesting character. I'm just going to warn you right now. He's got to give you a wireless. Here it goes. Oh, here he is. Doug, you're the tour manager, right? Next to Perry. He can't hear you. He's asking, so you're the tour manager. I'll give me yeah. my headphones. Yeah. yeah now, Doug, uh, yeah, real quick. Doug, you look like you're a lot bigger than Perry. You look like you could take him down in two seconds. How did you allow Perry to really beat the shit out of you? I didn't say beat the shit. I said I beat him. Right. It was the two shoulders, two blades on the on the mat. I won. Uh, what do you say, Doug? To tell you you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you claim you say Perry you did know? not beat you. No, not even close. But I maintain that I beat him. He's always maintained if, that he beats me. But what's more what interesting if, is why did we even have to get into a fight? And I'll tell you why. This has to do with Etty. Go so ahead. They had a guy who was their uh their uh bodyguard. Right. Guarding these guys in their backstage. They didn't know that Etty was, uh, you know, my wife, and I'm a partner, Lollapalooza partner. So right. she just went walking up to, you know, um, Smashing Pumpkins camp, like, hey, I'm coming in, you know. And this dude, you know, blocks her off, this big dude, and he puts his hands on her. So she well, comes back to me. She goes, Perry, some guy just, like, really put his hands on me. It was not cool. So I went down there, and I said, who the fuck did that? And, you know, so we start getting into it, and there's Doug, and I went, this guy, who the fuck does he think he is? I want him off the grounds right now. And he's like, well, that ain't going to happen. I go, yeah. And we start getting all, you know, we're chesting up, and that's how it started. <laughs> how long did the fight go on, Doug? I mean, uh, in your estimation? 30 seconds? 30 no, seconds. I pinned you in 30 seconds. But then <laughs> okay. the next 30 seconds was... Me being choked, going, ah, ah. and he goes, he's going, tap out, tap out. I'm like, tap out? I grew up in the, in the era of, you know, athletic wrestling. This is, you're talking octagon shit. I'm thinking, like, tap out. And I almost passed out. 
Fellas, uh, how about a how rematch great would that right have now? Let's clear out the equipment and get down to it. Uh, uh, now, but this is after what I'm talking song, about. After the song. Okay, yeah. This is what I'm talking about, Billy. This is what happens on tour. You start out best of friends. You and Perry <laughs> love each other. Doug is hugging Perry. But you know something might happen. Something could go wrong. Because we know this. We know the history of bands. We know the history of tours. Have any of you ever got on, on a tour with a band and actually ended up hating them? I've heard yes. about such things. It yes. has happened to you. Who did it happen yes. with, Billy? <laughs> I don't want to name names. but What happened, though? Um, usually, um, the, the scenario that has most happened is you. somebody tells you, oh, you know, you guys should take this band on tour. Or they're the hot band in England, so have them be your opening band. It would be good for ticket sales. Okay, fine. And then they end up getting mean mugging you every time you what walk past their dressing room door. You know, every time you walk past their dressing room, they kind of look at you like, oh, there he goes. Oh, who needs and that? I, and you're thinking, you're thinking, motherfucker, I put you on in front of, you know, 7,000 people. How am I the fucking bad guy? Right? Again, so then, you don't know what they're and then, really and then, thinking. And then even better, then your bandmates start hanging out with them. Ah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> then you go to your bandmates, you go, <laughs> you go, you know, every time I walk past the dressing room, they're giving me a fucking look. And your bandmates like, well, they're nice to me. So now it's like right. like a loyalty thing, and it's like your band doesn't give a fuck that you're giving them the fucking look. So yeah, yeah. And then and then if the famous thing is that then they go in the press after the tour and say how shitty you were. Right after they've right. taken the money and after they've played in front of God knows how many people, then you're the bad guy. Now I've had tours where people have claimed I did stuff. I never even spoke a word to them, not even hello. And, and somehow they they make up stories like he he yelled at my friend and like uh, crazy because they want attention. <laughs> If you're my lead singer and you're writing the hits and I'm in your band, I'm on your team. It's like a gang. And I mean, if you ain't the Smashing some... Pumpkins, then <laughs> it ain't a loyalty based <laughs> business. Let me tell you that. I mean, why? You know, I never understand this, Perry. The Smashing Pumpkins, great band. Billy's my guy. I'm not letting some other band fuck with his head or, or screw with him. I'm, I, I'm on his team. I'm going to the mat to, for him. Yeah, this, but now these... you're older and wiser. But now imagine yourself, you're just turning 21, and then all these chicks are coming around, and then, uh, you know, reporters are coming around, and audiences are coming around, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, you start seeing, on. hey, man, you're getting, uh, lots of limelight. You know, I want some of that light too. And then the other guys, mm. you know, looking at you like, I, I gotta get the same amount of shots that you do in the video, you know? That's how it yeah. starts. <laughs> Here's the I thing. I don't know, Mark. fellas. If, yes. if, if, ever, if ever a dispute should arise between Perry and I, <laughs> yes. the arbitrator is Etty. So that's all, it's Etty. Oh, I just got to go to Etty. <laughs> Let's oh, go to Etty. Etty will solve everything. Yes, Etty's the one. Um, I t Describe the excitement of a new tour. Are we excited about this tour? And I say this to me as a, a, a non-musician. The idea of starting a tour figuring out the set list, figuring out what instruments to take, choosing the songs, choosing the people who do the setup. Yeah. Uh, to me, it all seems romantic. Even when I see videos of guys doing sound checks, like to you guys, it might be a, a nuisance, but to me, it seems so exciting. You walk into the venue, yeah. you're doing the sound check, uh, yeah. the people you hang with backstage. I, I could see it as being fabulous. But I bet it sucks sometimes. I bet it's just horrible because people are constantly grabbing at you. There's constant fighting. There's constant business things to discuss. Which is it? Is it exciting or is it kind of scary? 
I will tell you this. So, as I say, as I've gotten older and wiser, mm-hmm. I my um my health has improved immensely just by being here and seeing all the the crew and the musicians. Now I look at it like it's in a way it's my lifeline. I I become almost like the thought I I feel like I'm eternal as long as there's people that need joy in their life and I see their faces when I'm singing I'm like wow I'm giving these guys joy you know I'm turning them on I'm turning them on I I tell you I, I age back back 10 years just yesterday what I would say is we're about to go on tour with one of the greatest bands ever <laughs> on God's you. Green's earth and so, I feel the same let way. me tell you what the Smashing Pumpkins are, by nature, a competitive lot. And to, to share a stage each night with Jane's Addiction, they'll kick our ass if we're not careful. Right. Nobody that wants keeps to you on your toes, up. right? That keeps or you on Doug your toes. Or Doug Goodman. I'll kick or his Doug ass. Goodman. Yeah, <laughs> Doug Goodman. Yeah. He's not careful. <laughs> no, but the, be- the beautiful thing is, is, is there's, a, there's so much family love between the two camps. So it's, it's, it's like kind of like uh, brothers beating their chest, you know what I mean? I really, I really want Jane's at their best, and and I want us at our best, and yeah. th- that's the way we're going to show our our love for each other to the audience. We will give our supreme effort each night, and it'll you actually you need this. I, I'll tell you, Etienne says to me sometimes when I get bummed out because like me and Dave have gone at it for years and years, and and it's gotten bad even on the stage. And you she and Dave Navarro, me, she goes, yeah. Yes. She said to me, she goes, you two are like two roosters and there's only one hen house, but it's exciting. It's sexy. So again, <laughs> it's that thing is that, that sense of, I don't want, I don't want to call it competition, but yeah, it's male, you know, competition, man. Like, check me out. You know, I'm going to do this now. Yeah. I'm going to do this now. And it makes Perry, the shows intense. You and Dave Navarro, for example, I mean, you know, Billy's got his shit going on with his band. You and yeah. Dave Navarro are legendary. I mean, you guys, you guys actually physically fought on stage. What the fuck, though? Was I it on the stage? On... I thought it was off stage. I thought it was on stage, too. But I know you guys had fist fights on stage. I mean, what? Perry, take me into it. All bullshit aside. Why did that, that happen? happen? Because you guys oh, are was... such a great energy together. Like, yeah, what? we are. Uh, again, what it is... was immaturity. It's immaturity. Right. We, we don't know. What's going on, Howard? We didn't, it wasn't like I planned on being a musician and now I'm going to write five songs and now seven and now I'm going to look for, I But what pissed into you off this. about him? What pisses oh, you about off Dave, about Dave at that yeah, moment? Yeah, about Dave. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, um, it was very hot. It was the first show, Lollapalooza. It was in right. Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, we got off stage and Dave didn't want to go back for the encore. And I go, no, no, we're going back. And he didn't want to go. Why? I said, you're going back. So I got my wrestler mentality and I, I picked him up and I took him down. That's really, that's really what it was. But I, I honestly, I don't like telling that story because but, 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 but I I'm love not a musician. so much now. Explain what? it to me. Explain something to me. Why would a fellow musician in your band say to you, I'm not going out for an encore? I mean, what, what well, is there's this only thought? one good reason why that would happen, right? Oh, drugs. There you go. Oh, okay. I don't know. Drugs fuck everything up, Billy. Right? How many times I mean, have I told like you I that? I say they're great for a little while. <laughs> I mean, yes, they are. We, you know, out of, out, of, out of four original Smashing Pumpkins members, we had two people with, you know, very serious drug issues. So 
been there, done that. And I grew up with a father who, you know, not only was drug addicted, but also dealt drugs. So I felt like I felt like that was a 30, 40 year nightmare, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. That, what does that do to your head when your father was such a mess with drugs? And then all of a sudden you get in bands and then all of a sudden drugs are fucking things up. Well, you feel this oh. constant sense of instability, right? You know, yeah. it's it's uh, so, yeah. So people get super adrenalized. It, 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 what's and I'm not saying anything about their incident, but it makes total sense because somebody gets something in their head and in the adrenaline of the moment, the thing that they're thinking of their head is the most important thing in the world. And we're all young and we don't understand why th this is happening. It's really not by us building it. It's building itself. Yes. So you don't have the mentality yet to say, hold on here. There's a lot of money at stake. It's not about money. At or these all. people will be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, there no. were there were gigs where, where I would get mad. Somebody would throw something at me and we would leave the stage and we would just leave the guitars feeding back on stage. There was one incident in, in Indiana. We left the guitars feeding back on stage for 20 minutes. And the crowd cheered oh for 20 minutes. And I kept saying, I'm not going back on. And the band was begging me, please go back on. And we were having an argument over the feedback, feedbacking guitars for 20 minutes with the crowd cheering. And now you do that every night because it works. So and then, well. yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was what a what a the music business is really tough you know you think about all these things the odd first of all the hard part is writing hit songs and performing them and having audiences respond to them and then all this other bullshit is going on it you know before you wish to be a musician you got to really think it through right it, it's a stressful life no it really no, is. exactly the opposite do not think about anything just become a musician if you think about it <laughs> You're going to blow it. Yeah, yeah. You can't think about you're it. Right. You just got to yeah. do it. Yeah, you're right. But he's so, he's you're so right. right about how it forms itself. I mean, there's no school you go to. It's like one day you're an idiot. No one cares about you. And the next day, all these people want to know your opinion. Exactly. And you start I thinking, know. well, maybe when dad ignored me when I was seven, you know, he didn't understand how smart I am. And, you know, you got to right. go through all these head changes. Right. Perry, uh, yeah. how did you have the good sense, even when you were going through the worst of your drug situation and you were flat out broke, how did you have the good sense not to sell the name Lollapalooza? That the tour, the people, a lot of people came to you and said, hey, dude, you're in no position to uh, do this. Let us buy Lollapalooza from you. What you knew that? You, uh, yeah, I do know that. I told that. you that. I, uh, I know people. Billy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Billy tells me everything about it. after you guys have dinner. He tells me all the secrets. No, no, yeah. but seriously, I did. I know a lot about you. You'd be surprised. That's I have true. a camera in your house, but it is true. You <laughs> had the good. You were flat broke, right? It was, things were not That's good. True. Yeah. How much money did they offer you for the name? Lala a Bola? million. One a million, million dollars. Yeah. How do you turn down a million dollars for a name of a, of a festival when you're flat out broke? I'm not going to sell it to you. You cheap motherfucker. When I'm right. at my worst and I'm on, I'm flat on my back and you're going to come here and try to get a deal and a bargain, I'd rather right. fucking die. Wow. See, that's and, why he's Perry fucking Farrell, right? That's right. <laughs> no, but, this, yeah. but that's the difference, right? That's the difference. Now, that none of that makes sense to those, to those people. None of that makes sense, but that makes total sense to me. Like, Good. fuck you, motherfucker. Get the fuck away from yeah. me. It makes sense to me, too. Uh, you know, if I ever thought about being on the radio and being able to feed a family and everything, doing that, I, I, I would have quit. You don't think about it. You just do it. You do yeah. it because you that's your dream. That's the, the you're, you're making a great a great point. When you go out on a tour like this, everybody wants certain songs. Now, here I'm thinking about uh, like I played Rocket. Um, uh, let's say Jane's Addiction comes out first. We got to have, um, I might open with this. What do you think, Perry? 
Okay, cool. I'm down. I t- I, I'm, I'm just trying to... Oh, man. I got to see this show. You're invited. Robin, too. Please, I'd love to see you guys there. In fact, I want to see you in person. I'm, I'm going to offer you some money for that Lollapalooza uh, thing. You'll see. Kiss You'll my love ass. It. You'll love it. Kiss my yeah, ass. Yeah, come over Good. here. I got something for you. And then maybe um, <laughs> we'll have a wrestling contest. <laughs> Billy, why did you never think to put a dog in your song? You never put any dog. Uh, I, that I, is. I also didn't think of Lollapalooza, all right? I didn't think of Lollapalooza either. <laughs> What a song, Being Caught Stealing. I had yeah. a thought about this song, Perry, and maybe you think I'm crazy. I, I think is one of the most brilliant songs ever written. To write a song about an experience, you used to shoplift. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, in fact, found it enjoyable on, on some Doesn't level. Doesn't everybody? Only, yeah, and quit shoplifting only because some things of yours started to go missing, and it made you think, gee, maybe this is karma. My, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it. By then, uh, uh, it definitely was karma, but by then, I had stopped much earlier. I had stopped when I, you know, bought a house. I had a house, you know. Well, I have to take that back. During the riots, I did go out looting. Did you? I hate to say it. Yeah. You're wow. kidding me. Wait a second. You, no. you, are, you, you, were big, you were a big rock star at that point. I guess so. Yeah. I was in porno for pyros. Yeah. Yeah. So... And- so, I mean, what happened was, well, we were in L.A., so yeah. it was so exciting. Uh, you know, there was, turn on the television, there's fire and smoke on the TV, you know, like, man, this is going down. Where's it going down? It's going down in South Central. I'm like, let's fucking go. We went down there. I, in those days, I was packing, you know. Right. Oh, my. And I just went down there, and I pulled out my fucking pistol, and I just shot it up in the air. And nobody fucked with me. I went into stores. There was people going in and out of stores, but I was using my head. So what I did was I went and looted. I hate to say this, but there was a furniture store and I had just got this house and it didn't have much furniture. So I got some really cool antiques. But, but Perry, carrying wouldn't you? Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not of the same frame of mind. I'd be scared to go somewhere, and, and I, you know, and I wouldn't be comfortable if taking you had a gun? something. If uh, you well, had a gun. well, well, I mean, even going into South Central with a gun. Here you are, this successful musician. Even Billy's looking at you like, oh shit, I'm not going to fuck with this guy on tour. I'm just going to do my songs. <laughs> I'm get the hell out of here. I mean, no, but uh, we we never had a fight though. No, we never had. But, a fight. but, but, but Billy is Perry a little bit crazy? Uh, 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 you know what I mean? You're hearing that story. What goes through your head? Imagine Perry Farrell running around with a gun and 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 getting antiques. Uh, and by the way, how do you carry all these antiques? Do you bring a? Oh, I had a car parked. Yeah, oh, I had a oh, okay. He was organized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An organized yeah, looter. I mean, uh, it goes back to the to jewelry business. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But, but, you have to have a plan. Yeah, but Billy, you plan. hear this, uh, you must you must be dumbfounded. Uh, tell, tell me what goes through your mind. I mean, <laughs> well, that's why there's only one Perry Farrell in the oh, world. Thank you. you know, because <laughs> right. it, it makes total sense to him. And I know him and it, I, I understand why it makes sense to him. It doesn't make sense to me. I wanted to right. participate because I just saw everybody was just like, they have had enough, and I felt just like that. I felt just like they did, and I said, I'm going to fucking join them. That's this it. is we why stop. you are Perry Farrell. I mean, most people watch that on TV and said, holy shit, thank God I'm nowhere near that. I mean, you went into like a war zone. I mean, it's wild. 
It but it was wild. joyous and exciting. You know, it really was. The, the other day, I was watching footage of the L.A. riots, and I said, "I think that's Perry Farrell," but it can't. <laughs> no, you do. Yes, I saw you on there. I'm telling you. No, you. When you first started stealing. You said you you got caught stealing a um a, a, a little rubber ball. Pensy pinky. A, a pen, pen, Do you remember pinky, the pensy pinkies? Yes, from a them? candy shop. Did you have a pensy pinky? I don't think Billy had much of anything. No, trying I, to survive. No, no, we didn't have. Well, we didn't have pensy that. pinkies. For those that don't know, because I don't think they make them anymore. In New York, we used to play stick ball. Right. Uh, so basically, you get a broom handle, and you can go to your school and spray paint a, a picture zone. And then the other guy with the broom handle, and you're the pitcher. And they had these balls called Pensy Pinkies. They were pink. Yes. And you can throw them really good, but they would bounce off the wall and come back to you. So you could just yes. play baseball with you and your friend. Okay, I do know the ball you're talking about now. So, so the I thing, wanted one of those. So being caught stealing was about getting caught stealing one of these uh, balls. But here's the thought I had the other day. I was thinking about that song Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Yeah. And that song is about popping tags, like uh, stealing. Right. Now, there's only one human being in the world that I would think could come up with a lyric about stealing. And that was you. Do you ever think that these guys owe you a nod or something when I hear them? Oh, definitely. I always think about it. I think about Do it you? all the time. All right, you're being facetious, but I think about it all the time. Because, Billy, it is such an original thought to write a song about stealing, I think. I thought it was brilliant when I heard it. <laughs> it's one of those things you think, like, why didn't I think of that? Well, how about how brilliant you are with that video with you guys in the ice cream truck? And I thought for <laughs> so many years. Story, <laughs> yeah, so tell us about that. Uh, you oh, don't mind, Howard, if I tell this? No, the Smashing Pumpkins, I'm going to bring that up, the Smashing yeah. Pumpkins video, I rock videos. I think that that's something that, again, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, how do you overlook those videos? They were absolutely brilliant. What is the story of the ice cream truck? Well, one day, um, uh, you know, the ice cream tr uh, man came through every day, and one day I was walking on the street, and the, he didn't, he had the, he had the you know, the, the thing playing, the little music. But he was just parked on the corner, which was weird because usually he was moving because he was trying to make money. So I went over there and he goes, what do you want? And I said, oh, you know, I took, you know, whatever, the, the, the red, white and blue pop, whatever, the, the rocket, the rocket pop or rocket whatever. Pop, the cherry bomb. And he just gives me, he goes, okay, have a nice day. And I said, I don't owe you any money. And he goes, he goes, now I'm quitting the shitty job. <laughs> I'm giving away all my ice cream. <laughs> so we're like, so, so we go. Well, can I have a, can I have a, you know, like ice cream sandwich too? Yeah, sure. Sure, kid. He just, and he just stood there and he gave away all his wow. ice cream. Oh, must have been the greatest day of he your was, life. We, of course it was. an angel. Greatest. Right? An ice cream yeah. angel. Yeah. And so I have some reason that stuck in my head. And then, uh, we so had, that's where you got the sound in the beginning. Not really. Kind of like the wrestling story. Not really, but close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the funny thing is, is then, you know, years later, I dredged this thing out of my memory to, to make the video. And, you know, I had to write a treatment or whatever. And our first video for a ch uh, Brock on uh, it hadn't done that well with MTV. So when I said, I'm going to play an ice cream man and and the label said, no fucking way. No, 
Really? Uh, Isn't that yeah, amazing? Think, how, the the best I ideas fight, were always I had a Who was the head of A&R at that time? Uh, well, uh, uh, this guy uh, uh, Mark Williams was the head of A&R. I think he was just, he was the he henchman. He, 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 he booted it upstairs <laughs> and was told no. Because they wanted, they wanted the conventional stand in front of the brick wall and, you know, act like you're beautiful and important. You know what I mean? And we said, no, we're going to make this ice cream truck video. And we had to fight and fight and fight to do it. Um, oh, and of course so it turned, right it became super successful. And, but the great thing was after that, then we could do whatever we wanted because they were like, okay, whatever you're doing is the right thing. But yeah. Did you conceive of all the uh, video ideas yourself or did you uh, start bringing people? Because some of those were out. 90%. I mean, they, you did 90% of the you. time where they were mine. Yeah. They were mine. Wow. Yeah. The one where you do the takeoff on the old movie with the going to the moon and the rocket and all that. I mean, that no, was, that was actually, you? um, date, no, Dayton and Ferris. Oh, they're great. No, we, um, that was, we, we, there was a, I don't want to say the guy's name because it's unfair to him, but there was, a, there was a guy who was like the top MTV director of time. And he kept telling me that the Pumpkins was his favorite band. So I thought, this is the perfect guy for 19, uh, uh no, uh, tonight, tonight. This is the perfect guy. Yeah. And it, this perfect guy and is perfect. You know, MTV will love it because he's a hot director and blah, blah, blah. And he, he came up with like the shittiest fucking treatment of all time. That cost a million dollars. Yeah. It cost a million dollars. <laughs> and you're like, it was so not the song. You know what I mean? Because right. most of those people audition for Nike commercials. That's really the game for videos yeah. is they'll do your video, but they don't really give a fuck about you. It's like impressing people at Nike. Right. So, uh, so we went up looping back to Dayton and Ferris and, and, and end up doing that video. That was their idea. But what was really weird about it was I had just been watching. They said, you know, this French director, Mie, used to do the silent movies. And I literally the day before been watching a laser disc of all things of his movies. Wow. So I was like, I looked at the phone like, are you fucking kidding me? I literally was just watching those videos yesterday. So I knew exactly what they wanted. And as they gave me their idea, I could see it. Like I saw the whole video in my mind, like instantly, because I literally just been watching it. And the video too, where you're in the mudslide, you know, with all those people climbing all over. Well, he got in trouble for that because that he, he was accused of uh, stealing from that photographer. Sam Bear was the director of that. Yeah. I think he, he might have gotten sued for that or he got sued for something else because the photographer was really mad. That he stole their idea or something. Oh wow! Yeah, backstory. Perry, I always think when when I watch you as a front man, first of all, you're such a good dancer. You know, Billy. Oh, Billy doesn't. It's all in the hips. The whole... My dad was a good dancer. <laughs> Howard, I do. I, I do dance now. By the this way, my I, dad's I'm going to defend myself. Do you here. you do will dance. be dancing on tour. Uh, I, I do. I am not as good a dancer as Perry. Perry has <laughs> well, great Perry, hips, but, but um, I'm not but, as good as my dad. But Perry, you know, Billy. I don't yeah, know if you know this. Perry, when he started out. Was a professional dancer. Didn't you dance in a, like a strip club? I did club? know that. Oh, you did it know that. It wasn't a strip club. It was a, it was a private nightclub. And, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Worse. I, I did dance. I did, I, I did dance, but, um, I got my moves from my dad and, um, I just, uh, I used dance to project voice. It's a, it's a trick. So, to get even more air so that you can hold that air down and get higher notes. If you move some and then stop uh-huh. and sing, it's like an, a, an accordion. Your lungs become like an accordion and then your yeah. body becomes like an accordion. So I use talk about, dancing. Talking to, about you know, your body. Talk about this yeah. song three days for a second. You know why I like this. About you with two chicks. That's right. Fuck yeah. No, I could write something like about it. that. Somebody <laughs> would sleep with me. <laughs> How the hell did you negotiate that? It was two girls oh, in man, the tour it, get, with you, it right? got better. It got better and better, Howard. Really? 
What do you mean? Yeah. It was wild, I, like, huh? Mean like it went from three to four. Oh, really? Five? Yeah. You've had sex with five <laughs> people at the same time. Well, counting me. So yeah, it's four. Four. <laughs> Billy, can you handle that? I mean, that, 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 no, that's a I lot can, of people. I can, there's why 20s, there's only one Perry Farrell. <laughs> no, you can do it in your 20s. And yes, on drugs. Yes, you can. Yeah. Were, you, were you in a full-on relationship with these women? In other words, yeah. like, wow. Yeah. It's almost Except like being a cult leader. Oh. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I don't want to be no cult leader. Is it too much jealousy, though? Is it a really hard thing to manage? I mean, day in and day out, it can be hard to handle, right? Yeah, that's right. The insight like is that you don't, you really don't want to do it. Uh, you, you do want to do it, but not for long, like drugs. It's great for a short time. What are the problems? Is it almost like having a rock band? It's like, yep. like one of the girls is like Dave Navarro and right away. Doesn't oh, really yeah. You're thinking court. like, look how great this is. This is fucking perfect. And then then one will whisper to you, she did this to me and she did that to me. And I'm like, oh, no, no, she didn't. She's fine. You guys, you're fine. And that's when it all starts. It's like a rock band, like you say. Can I jump in here? I yes. do have some inside information. This is true, by the way. I'm not I'm not working. To use the wrestling term, um, I do know one of the women who was once involved in one of his <laughs> moments of excess. Yeah. So of course, like he doesn't know I know this, no. and I'm not going to say anything too personal. Okay. But uh, I wouldn't do that to you. But um, of course, I was like, well, "What was it like?" And this person said, "They did drugs that I didn't know existed." <laughs> <laughs> That's always stuck with me. Harry, what the fuck were you doing? I mean, it was crazy. I can't remember. <laughs> wow. It must have been some scene. It oh, my nice. God. And it oh ended up on the God. record. We can listen to wow. it. Yeah, does, but then does, when it goes bad, when it goes south, you don't want to be there. Does, it's like a does, bad does, relationship times two. Or, or four. <laughs> does, or four. <laughs> Does Eddie get upset three. when she hears that song and she says, Perry, what the you hell? No, that one she doesn't, but... Of course, she gets very jealous because she loves me so much. Right, right, right. But those days are. And over I like yet. that. Etty doesn't no, need to they're be. They're not involved. over yet. Oh, no, they're she not. Get oh, okay. jealous every day, and so do right. I. I'm right. just as jealous of her. That's why, when we talk, Howard, watch your watch your words around me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, don't worry. I got because, ultimate respect because Etty knows that you have a thing for her, and so do oh, I. Oh hell yeah, I do. Who doesn't? <laughs> Come on. He'll do that wrestling um, move on you. <laughs> But Perry, when you're in these kind of relationships, we have three, four women uh, in in your circle. Uh, in other words, do the women ever turn to you and go, "Hey, you know what, Perry? Fair play. Let's bring a few guys in here." Yeah, and uh, they do say that. And what do you say to that? You have yeah. to say, "No, that doesn't work." Uh, that, it, it, no, it, what it I said happen. was, "All right, I'll try it." <laughs> oh, oh, you did try it. Oh my God, I, I tried it. Like I tried. said, Bruce, I, I tried it. Ah. I know. <laughs> well, that's why you're Perry Farrell. Uh, so, so here again, talking about this fantastic tour, these boys are going out on tour together. They are going to light up the world. And then I'm thinking about some of the songs you got to do. We played some of the Perry's. You got to, you got to do this. Perry, when I hear Billy sing, I used to be a little boy. I've told him this. I, I get chills and I start to cry. I get I get so fucking emotional because I've always related to that lyric because I say that I used to be a little boy. Wasn't I good enough for someone to love me? Wasn't I good enough for my father to care about me? 
And that's exactly what you're singing about, right, Billy? Yeah. And what was interesting was when I released that song, I got heat from my parents. Because in, the in their them. minds... I, no offense, yeah. but it, well, how dare they? Too late. But in their minds, they had loved me. So it was weird. It was like I had to get this thing of like, no, you were loved. And it was like, well, why am I singing the song? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, in essence, I was sort of being accused of making something up. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Which is classic could, gaslighting could, from, from your family. You uh, know? But how could they say they loved you if they, at five years old, t dumped you out of the house and told you to leave? Well, I think I, I've thought it, cause my children are six and three. So I, I'm sort of constantly sort of in touch with like how they perceive reality and how I perceive reality. And I think what's hard for parents when they're, when they're told, Hey, you just didn't get it done is they look at 365 days and they think, well, I fed you. I clothed you. I put a roof over your head. What's the fucking problem? But they don't understand that that one bad day or that one bad week or that one bad month that fucks you up for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Like, you know, I it's, a, it's a form. A it's, a, it's a particular form of torture, you know, yep. Um, and, and that's, I think that was, my father eventually kind of made peace with it. He, I think he kind of finally came around to understand what that, what it really meant. And how can, how can they deny what you feel? Say, Hey, look, I didn't feel loved. Well, they deny what I felt feel? from the fucking beginning. Howard. Yeah. <laughs> think of a crazy. My, my father, uh, before he passed away, we had a conversation. He was like, you know, you used to, you, you were so quiet when you were a kid. I said, daddy, I, I wasn't quiet. I, I'm, I'm, I can't stop fucking talking. He, he, he goes, well, then what was the thing? I said, you told me to shut the fuck up so many times. Right. Like a, like a little boy wants to be around his dad, right? My dad would be working on a car in the garage. He was a wizard with cars. And I would go just to be near him, go sit in the, in the garage and sit there for hours and just watch him. And he wouldn't even look at me, address me like I wasn't even there. And after, after two hours, if I would say, hey, daddy, w what are you doing? He'd turn and say, shut the fuck up. Oh my! What you, I didn't even know you were in here. Get the fuck out. That's how he talked to me. But in his mind, it never happened. And I would tell him that, and he would go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I don't even remember that. And I said, well, you were high, and you didn't give a fuck, you know? And then he, do I? The, the way I knew he turned the corner, because before he died, he started saying, the thing that sucks about my life is I have no memories. Mm. He said, I remember yeah. banging all these girls and doing all these drugs. He said, but that's all kind of like a, like a, like a, like a fleeting shadow. He said, that the thing I look at is I don't have any memories of being with you boys. And I said, because you weren't there. You just didn't care. And he goes, I can't believe I was like that. And I go, you were like that. He couldn't, in his mind, he'd lived this other life. And, and no matter how much you try to explain to him, he, he, it was like, it was like you were trying to tell him a, the ending of a movie that didn't happen. And then eventually when he kind of accepted the movie, it was interesting because it was like, he was like, oh, okay, this all makes sense now. <laughs> Why everybody was so angry. No wonder, right? You know, the great artists like you guys, you have an experience, a painful experience, and you put it into music and you make us all feel it. I, 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 it, it, it just absolutely cuts through me. I had the same exact experience in my life. My father was a great carpenter, and I'd go downstairs to watch him build something, imagining maybe he'd teach me something or share the moment with me, and he'd just be like, get out of here, you fucking moron, you fuck. You know, it's a, it's wow. Like, it's like it's like in that song it all comes through. Jeez, mm. yeah. but here's the thing: I had the same experience. Why can't I write a hit song, Perry? <laughs> Why am I not Billy Corgan? Fuck. Maybe you're just not talented. Yeah, Ooh. I'm not talented. You, you said it. You hit it right on the <laughs> head. I'm, let's just. I gotta get to work. Figure on. it out. Let's figure I it mean, out right now. You've got guitar. Hey, Billy's got to do. I mean, then he's got to do this you're a guitar one. Guitar player. Billy's got to do a little of this. 
that. You know what? But you know what? I realize you guys have in common. David Bowie. Perry pissed off David Bowie, and Billy. I, I I've watched it a million times. You got to be on stage with Bowie, singing uh, all the young dudes. Yes. Oh wow. Well, got to Google that. You ever seen the video, Perry, of Billy no. and um, Bowie together singing? No. It's yeah. fucking fantastic. And it Billy's was terrifying. Playing, was it? Because <laughs> you're playing well, guitar I, on that. Well, no, we, we did. We did sound check as you do, and and and. I thought it was weird because he had me kind of about five feet behind him. So I thought it was a bit of a diss. You know what I mean? Right. So I didn't understand yes. that. So then I come out for the show and it's about halfway through the show and he's all warmed up and he's sweating and I get all oh, the young new and he's doing that thing. Like his voice is warmed up and it's that voice. And it, it was mind blowing because to hear him sing for real standing next to him. And for years, I didn't understand why he kind of put me behind him. Like it was almost like a like I'm the little kid with him. And I realized it was because I was so much taller. <laughs> Oh. He hadn't done it to diss me. He wanted, he wanted us like to look I the same say, height. You never know. It's yeah, see what I mean? The gears. I, I, I yeah, imagine he's David that I was Bowie. Being... Imagine he's David Bowie and he gives a shit about that at that point. You know? No, but David was all about optics. So it, now it makes total sense that he would be concerned that we look the same height on t on camera because he was very visual. I but see. yeah, he was always great to me. I, I, I was, I'm so blessed to have known him. When I see it on video, it looks like you guys are actually standing next to each other. And I imagine, that's, I thought that's, maybe that's the artifice you see. Yeah. And the, uh, and, 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 and he does a thing with his voice. You guys are doing the chorus and he goes, all the young dude. Like, like he, he just comes in late or something. Man, this guy was such a fucking genius. He's the thing about David that I think he's so special to people from the alternative music side is he could have been Frank Sinatra. He could have been like one of those guys. But he chose to just be a weirdo like us. Yes. You know, he's he's like our Frank Sinatra. You know what I mean? He's like our weirdo. And he yep. and I think that's why it's, there's so much love for him. Yeah. He might be a weirdo, but he never went out looting during the uh, the riots. I'm <laughs> telling you, he's no Perry. Well, you Sherman. don't know no that. Offense. I didn't know, you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't run into Bowie. But Perry, you no. pissed off Bowie. Do you know this story, Billy? I do not know. I, I'm shocked, but I want to hear it. Well, it was Pe it was not like I was talking to him and I said something wrong. So what happened was back in the day when cell phones were just starting to happen, I had this Blackberry. Do you remember the Blackberry? I just stopped using a Blackberry a year ago, so I'm okay. with you. <laughs> so I left my Blackberry in a cab on the way to the airport and the cab driver took it and went through it and saw David Bowie's name. So we called him up. <laughs> Yo, David. Yes. It's me. He's like, oh, the guy kept calling him. And I, uh, I had to finally say, listen, man, it wasn't me. I'm really sorry that this guy's bothering you. But I left my phone in the cab. Uh, so he forgave me, right? But then again, this was also at the same time, the, the beginning of the Internet. So I didn't know what a CC, a blind CC copy was sending texts. On an email. And, on an email. So... These people, they, they reached out to me to see if I would help them save this lake up in like Ontario or something that was being polluted by, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, um, DuPont or something like that. Right. right. And I got really excited about it and I go, you know, I got all altruistic and I'm going to help the world here. And I thought, and I'm going to see if David wants to do this too. So I send him. This thing, and I go, David, you've got to help me save the fish in Ontario, you know? 
But what I didn't realize was there was 300 people along oh, no. the chain. <laughs> so again, all these people oh start hitting God. him up. And again, he said, Perry, what are you doing? I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. I so agree. That was it. That was, that was the that end. That was almost it, but it actually wasn't. Just before he died, they had a show that they put together. He put it together with Tony Visconti, the you know the great producer, yeah. Heroes. And he wanted me to do it. So I was thinking like, oh, man, I'm going to make up with David. This is great. I can't wait. Two weeks before the show, he died. Mm. So I never oh. got a chance to like, hey, man, I, we, we did it. You know, I didn't screw oh, up. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Billy. Can you imagine poor Perry with David Bowie? Because I'm sure he was your. I love. was in love with him. Right. David was, was, the, was, David was super private, too. So I can only imagine. Oh, my God. Being bombarded. It was, it was like meant to be that I wasn't going to be his friend. Really, when you it. performed with him on stage, I mean, do you get to yeah. hang with him at all or is it just all business? I was probably around David like 20 or 25 different times. Oh, wow. And, and, and talked to him a couple times in private on the phone. Um, so I feel like, wow. I feel like he was a very hard person to get to know. Right. I think he was so famous that he was kind of freaked out. And so his, his, he, his first thing he would always do is super charm offensive because he was very charming. So you get the super charming David Bowie, like the cartoon character version. And if you're a fan, it's like, great. I got to meet the super car. I got to know him enough by the end that when I would see him, it would be like just how we're talking today. Like he felt like he got to know the person a little bit. Very yeah. sweet, very, really kind of strangely kind of shy. Yeah. You know, poor Perry. He, he barely had a chance to get to know Bowie with that fucking Blackberry left in the cab. I, I can't mean, it's, believe that. I can't believe can't it. Believe uh, There's but, some but, connection you know, between the rioting and all this. Like, <laughs> you know, Billy, I, I, you know, when you talk about like, I can imagine Perry and David Bowie having an easy conversation. For some reason, Perry's that kind of guy. But for you, I imagine it's a lot of stress to even get on the phone with Bowie because like, yes. you're like, oh, fuck, does he want to be on the phone with me? Does he even care? Yes, da, absolutely. Da, da, da. <laughs> absolutely. I'm more in that camp. I'd be like, what do I say to this guy? You know, I mean, oh totally. my God. Because <laughs> so I'm like thinking like, because if you, if you, because I, I know how it is with people with me sometimes, if they get too fanboy, you almost, it turns them off. They think, oh, you're just a, you're just a mark in wrestling. Uh, you're just a mark. You're, you're a fan. Uh, you, you just, you just want to get on the phone with me to talk to me about like the old days or something. That's always the red flag. You know, you know, you meet the person, oh, you know, Siamese dream. And it's like, okay, you know. Are we going somewhere here? And they just want to tell you their story. So you got to be really careful with people like that. If, especially David Bowie, you know, I just didn't want to be that guy. So yeah. luckily I got to know him enough that I got to ask some of those questions later. Did you talk to him questions. about music? Like fanboy kind of thing? Like, like, um, no, most we talked about art. Um, that's what he seemed to most want to talk about. I, and to me, when you, when you, I think it's very difficult when you're such a fan and I was such a fan. Um, and not to go into fanboy mode. So you try to find something that that person seems interested talk, in talking to right. you about. And so if right. we would talk about movies or books or art, he, you, his eyes would light up and he, you, he would talk to you for an hour. You know, So in that hour, you got more, instead of trying to be a fanboy, you got more from David Bowie than if you'd been a fanboy. You know what I mean? I got to understand him more and how his mind worked. Poor Perry listening to this. All these conversations could have been his if he hadn't left his black. I know. I was thinking how jealous I am. <laughs> it's so crazy. Well, the big announcement today, we're having a lot of fun, but let's get down to business. Never mind the fun. 
It's too much fun, as a matter of fact. We could talk all day. We could talk about the Smashing Pumpkins. We could talk about, oh, God, Jane's Addiction. We could talk about how both, all the parallels, how Perry and Billy were both influenced by the Beatles, too. Perry used to walk around with a haircut and the boots dressed like a beetle and even used a fake British accent in kindergarten. These are the things. Yes, you did. This is your life. Well, they, Perry, it from. went around the room. It was like that day where they say, where are you from? You know? And so I, I said, well, I'm from England because I love the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we all? <laughs> have you met the Beatles? Have you, got, have you guys met any of the Beatles? I've had Paul on no. the show many times. Very excited. Paul's played Lollapalooza. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to see him up close, but I, never I met a beetle. I didn't want to bother. Never him. met a beetle. I didn't know how that goes? No. Yeah, we've met had Ringo else. on too, Howard. Come on. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've had Ringo on, and 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 uh, John Lennon. I wish I could have interviewed him. Oh, uh, like, that was my hero. The best, the the best, best music yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the big announcement. The boys want you to know. They might now listen. They're putting up a lot to do this concert together because they could end up not being friends afterwards. Perry could start beating up uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. You don't even know what could happen. Well, luckily Doug will We're be on the tour more, so. as Pumpkins tour manager, so I have my oh, yeah. I have my backup. Uh, and who knows? And Perry, you're going to get along with Dave Navarro on the tour. Have you guys spoken about how you're going to behave on the tour? Because Billy, no, Dave and uh, I are very close now. Oh, I really? speak to okay. him almost every day now. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh, so this I, should before, go okay. Before we do any music, I do want to mention, <laughs> I appreciated, uh, Perry, your video on Instagram. I watched it when uh, Taylor Hawkins died. You did a very beautiful tribute. I had no idea how close you were with Taylor from the Foo Fighters, yeah. the drummer. Well, you He's talk about show. a guy who brought people together to make music that's in a rock band. I, I When you were saying that, I was just thinking about Taylor. He was that guy. He was the guy who brought people together. He brought musicians together. He loved music. He loved making music and writing songs. And, you know, we are all kindred, kindred spirits, songwriters. John Lennon was a songwriter, you know? Billy yeah. Corgan's a songwriter. He sure is. And so was Taylor. Taylor loved to write music and write songs. Yeah. Beautiful guy. I, um, you know, I've had him on the show many times. And uh, the bond between uh, Dave Grohl, you know, you talk about bands and people not getting along, but when you see saw Dave Grohl with Taylor, those guys were like brothers. They really were. They 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 got along so well. Did you know him at all, Billy? Yeah, I knew Taylor a little bit. Yeah, yeah, beautiful guy. I'm I'm sorry to see him. Uh, yeah, see what happened. Was, uh, That's a, it's a devastating thing, and and there's the mo there's the moments in time where you kind of have to stop. You know, we our lives are pretty fast. And that's right. one of those times where you kind of have to stop and think about it for a couple of days, you know, because it, 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 it affects so many people so deeply, not only his fans and, of course, his family, but you know, it, it all gives us pause, you know. Anybody speak to Dave Grohl about it? Uh, I, 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 I texted him real quick, but uh, no, no, no. Do you ever go surfing with uh, Taylor? Yeah. Harry? Yeah. Did you? Big surf. Go on surf trips. Yeah. Yeah. He loves surfing. Surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he would say to me. Billy goes, and I surf together, by the way. <laughs> you do? <laughs> what? The internet. Maybe. I, can't, I can't even get on. I can't even get on the surfboard. But we but were doing were great together. We were like really tight. And then I lost my uh, my iPhone. 
And then he started getting it. No, I didn't. But when you and when you you were about to tell a surfing story that you and you and Taylor. Oh yeah, we would just go on surf trips, and he would say to me, he goes, "You know what makes us different, pair? We surf." He goes, "That's what separates us from the other guys. Don't ever give up surfing." He loved surfing so much. He wasn't the greatest surfer, but he was very courageous, and the courage went into the music. He looked like a surfer. He looked he like a surfer, a surfer boy. Yeah, he, he really was a did. Surfer I, boy, Billy, can you ever imagine getting on a surfboard and balancing no. uh, on a? I, I no. can't either. I, 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 I would be in some great shape. God, did, God did not give me that body. <laughs> no, God said you either. go sit in a dark room and write some sad songs. <laughs> but we love that. We love that about you. We surf. He goes. That's what separates us from the other guys. Don't ever give up surfing. He loved surfing so much. He wasn't the greatest surfer, but he was very courageous. And the courage went into the music. He looked like a surfer. He looked he like a surfer, a surfer boy. Yeah, he, he really was did. A surfer I, boy. Billy, can you ever imagine getting on a surfboard and balancing no. uh, on a? I, I no. can't either. I, 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 I would be in some great shape. God, did, God did not give me that body. <laughs> no. God said, you go either. sit in a dark room and write some sad songs. <laughs> but we love that. We love that about you. Well, listen to this exciting news. The boys are going to be doing a little bit of music. This will take you on tour with them. This is a taste of what the tour is going to be like. Now, let me tell you this. The Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction. What a bill. See, the Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction Spirits on Fire tour. Who named the tour Spirits on Fire? I did. All right. Go to smashingpumpkins.com slash tour for tickets and info. Uh, you know, you can hear both these great bands on uh, Channel 34. I listen to Lithium all the time. They play you guys nonstop. So, you know, and uh, so many of the of the uh, serious XM channels. But this is what it's going to be like, right, Billy? What are, what are we going to do? What are you guys going to do now? Um, who's going to go first? Is Perry going to do something first? Me. Billy, you're going to do yeah. something? And, and this is kind of exciting because uh, this band behind you is kind of a conglomeration of uh, smashing yeah. pumpkins and uh, Jane's addiction, yeah. right? Do I have that correct? Yeah, we were trying to we were trying to come up with a name. For our, it was Jane's Jane's pumpkins. That seemed to be too too body, <laughs> right? Uh, or what was it? Uh, Jane's a pumpkin addiction. now. Yeah, Jane's a pumpkin now. That Jane's was what we settled now, on. But that wasn't sexy enough. Um, so so the, are you going first, Perry? Are you going to do uh, Jane yep. says? Jane That's says, right. imagine being on this tour, seeing these guys. Let me say hi to the band. Over there on bass is Jack Bates. Look at you, Jack. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And you're and you're ready to play for Perry? You know this song? You practice it? I've listened to this song thousands of times in my bedroom. <laughs> you are ready to play, Jane says, even though you are a pumpkin. I'm ready to go. This is what we're talking about, guys. This is collaboration. <laughs> That's right. This is beautiful. Uh, Stephen Perkins on drums from Jane's Addiction. Is that right, Stephen? Is that you back there? Actually, I'm on steel drum today. Is that right? And you're, you're ready playing, to play? Playing some you don't bongo. Mind, you don't mind playing bongo for the pumpkins, with the pumpkins? Uh, you uh, have no animosity toward them? No, I'm okay with that. I've seen All your right. bongo playing, actually, Howard. I you can play, play a hell of a bongo. I, I practiced bongos for many, many years. I know. Oh. Now, back there from the pumpkins, we have, uh, is that Jimmy back there? 
Yes. Jimmy, are, are you, you ready to play? Even though yeah, you're a I'm pumpkin, are you you're, you're you're ready to play? Okay, you, you can do ready. you can you can do this song. All right, and also Jeff Schroeder's on guitar over there. Jeff, you you're all set with this. All set. All right, and and even though you're a pumpkin, you know how to play. Jane says. Oh yeah. All right, you That's practiced. Okay. In other words, well, you know, all right. as a lifelong Angelino, this is like should be our city's theme song. That's a good point. You, it really should. Do you guys think on tour that this could happen again where the bands come together and play? Or do you think it'll just be uh, Jane's Addiction and then Smashing Pumpkins? We definitely should talk about doing something together. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet, but I, I think there's so much love there. We should do something. Yeah. All right. This is it. Don't be nervous, boys, just because I'm watching. It's okay. <laughs> Here we go. One, two.
That looks. Why can't I do that? Oh my God! What about your name? gift? Is your gift of gab? Never I figured mind it out for you, man. I need to play guitar. <laughs> Smashing Addiction. That's the name of this band. Ah. Smashing Addiction. I was thinking about it while you were doing that. First of all, Billy, the, the smile on your face when you are playing for Perry Farrell is just contagious. You are really happy in that moment, aren't you? I just love playing music, and I love this song so much. I, I it's one of the great songs, you know. It is a great song, and 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 when you're smiling there, I'm imagining you're saying, "I can't believe now that Perry and I are friends, and I'm playing on on the same show with him." It's, I I, I don't know. I'm projecting all these thoughts into your head. Is that what's going on? You, you can't. You're you're only touching how I feel. I it's it's such an honor, and I, it's just so much love. And you know, look, I I was the guy in the crowd. You know. Yep. Well, I you're on stage with me. Yes, now, I'm not right? on stage with you. Eighty what? Eighty-eight. 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 So from from our band, because here's the thing, people people like to look at band through the rearview mirror. Think of all the trips we've taken, the plane flights, the all the things that could go wrong. The fact that we're still here, that thirty-two years ago, my band opened for his band, and we were nobody. Right. And I saw them play this song. You know, to even told me. Hey, 32 years from now, you guys are going to be going on tour and you're going to be friends and your families are going to know. Yeah, I would think you're insane. It's yeah. like, there's no way. You know what I mean? And you were in the audience that, that night. Wobbling watch. around? <laughs> yeah, the wobbly dude. <laughs> you The wobbly dude coming out of his car. But, but, but I mean, that, that night, back then, all those years ago, you were in the audience watching Perry be a rock god up on that stage. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and now you're together. And Perry, that song is so brilliant. Do you remember writing it? The only thing I know about it is that Jane was a woman you live with. Not even, I don't even think sexually, right? She was just a, a friend. You guys all lived together. It was a bunch of people yeah. living together. Yeah. And she okay. was gorgeous, right? I, I've seen pictures of her. She was a she beauty. Had a look. She had a she look. Had a look. And, yeah. and what are you saying about Jane? I mean, what was it about Jane? That just that was a trip. Yeah. Well, because she was this kind of she was kind of an aristocrat. She was hanging out with the you know slumming it with the musicians, but she like really was from some place um, in uh, Arizona where there's a lot of art galleries, and her mom had an art gallery out there. Yeah. So, but like she taught me how to drink wine with cheese and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> yeah, and she's the woman who you named the whole band after, in a, in a sense, right? Is, is, yeah, that's I right. Mean, it's, so you were really taken with her. She was not a lover of yours? She was just a friend, or, or was she... Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. she's a roommate. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, but you wanted her. Together. I mean, you're writing songs about her. You're, you're naming your band after her. Well, because, like I say, she was like an aristocrat. So, you know, aristocrats, they're really weird. She you just, never banged I, Jane. I can't believe it I, I, with I, all of your sexual prowess. I have to. No. Oh, you've got to be careful. Oh, oh, He's Etty's there now. You've got to be careful there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Etty's number one, but there was a Jane. That's Believe right. me, you, you, I'm sure you wish you could go in a time machine and name the band Etty's Addiction, but uh, you can't. That's right. Can't. That's I right. really wish I could, but that's the one thing I cannot do. Yes. Uh, Billy, by the way, what was that guitar you were playing that um, it had a big giant star on it? It looked very interesting. It had a good look it's a, to it's it. It's just a, a, a custom Yamaha that they made for me, so... All right, so now we're in the uh, we're at the concert. Perry's done a little something, and now Billy, yep. we got to do one of your tunes. What yeah. are we gonna do? Oh, today I just want to make sure you guys. Are, okay, I just got to get a guitar. Yeah, please. You got to get a guitar. Okay, another guitar. Oh, this is fun. Oh, it's the same guitar. Oh, it's the same it's guitar. It's like a gig. It's just like a gig, Howard. Just stuff yeah. happens. Is is that your favorite guitar? Uh, it's my favorite acoustic guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Good sound. Thank you. Great sound. Uh, should we go ahead and start hard? Anytime you want, you know, I okay. don't interfere. Okay. All right. Okay. I just, I gotta take off these stupid headphones. All right. Okay. Here we go.
Geez, you guys sound great. What a great tour yeah. this is going to be. I could I could see right. the ice cream truck driving by as you were singing, <laughs> telling you it. The band sounds great. You guys sound Thank great. You. What happened? How to Perry? do they I take care of their voices? Do they sing every day? Do they? What do they do? Yeah, both of you guys sound great. You guys, yeah, are, you, know, you guys just got a great sound. Perry, by the way, had to leave to go apologize to Eddie about. Uh, oh Jane, no, Jane, he's coming back. Right. He, oh, he's coming back. <laughs> he's got a bruise uh, on his cheek. I don't know what happened out there. Uh -oh. but. I don't know, Eddie. I think he had a fight fight with Doug, and then Eddie got a hold of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's surfing. He's surfing. <laughs> I, you know, we were saying, uh, Perry, that uh, both you he guys can't hear you sound yet, so, so. I can interpret. So, okay, I, I, I was oh, commenting you that, now. Sorry, yeah, both of you guys sound so great. You know, the 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 music and the the voices. The voices sound great. You do do you do anything special to keep your voice in shape? Because uh, it sounds great. You asking me? I'll tell you first yep. if you want. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I I uh, I don't play guitar for four hours, right? Uh, like Billy does. But what I do is I sing every day. I take my dogs for a walk for at least an hour. And while I walk them, I sing to them. Wow. Does that sound weird? No, let me tell you I'd something. Love you, I'd love to know where you walk. To... I'd want to hear it. I mean, uh, oh, um, free concert. I walk on the bluff sometimes in Santa Monica. Sometimes I'll take the, to the hills, you know, off, off there. And I just walk around my neighborhood. I live in a beautiful neighborhood with lots of trees and stuff and hawks in the air. Wow, and, nice. um, I sing to my dogs because if I can impress my dogs, I can impress anyone. That's right. If they like it, so then that's the why, audience that's will why like you it. can get really subtle with a dog. Animals have really, really great hearing, right? Especially dogs. So if you sing hard, you might like put them off. So I learned how to sing hard at times, but then off, but soft enough that my dog's ears won't be bothered by my voice. This might be too personal, but what are what are your dog's favorite songs that you do? What is their uh, what is their most requested song? No, they like all of them. Uh, my they warm like up them. is I do like a I do like a like that stuff to start off with, and then I'll think of a song I want to sing. Usually, you know, you mentioned earlier about um, is it exciting when you first get the idea together of putting a show on and it's probably the most exciting time almost because you are starting to think about wow what songs do i want to do and then you start thinking oh i'd love to do that one and rehearse that one and what can we do on that song that the audience would see visually you know so you're right it, it gets that's the really it's like the ignition is the planning of the tour and to be honest with you this is all billy's idea um, one day, not too long ago, they approached me and they said, you know, would you do it? And um, I'll tell them a little bit, if you don't mind, yeah, about Billy came, came to us and said, yeah, I want you guys to tour with us. And we're not going to screw you guys off on the on the power and the volume because opening bands usually <clears throat> they don't get the same volume as the headliners. So the headliners really? save it. They save it so that they can look better and bigger and brighter. Yeah, it's class, you know? classic rock and roll technique. Yeah, bullshit. Mm. It's classic yeah. rock and roll bullshit. But he said, I want you guys to have the same sound system. In fact, let's share the sound system. Let's share the lights. So we're going to put together a show 
together. This is going to be like a really, really special tour. Once see, in a lifetime. This is what I was getting at before. There's so much to rock and roll. I'm talking about the business of rock and roll. Not, not yeah. the, the hard part of coming up with songs and, and all that. And the fun part of, of touring and, you know, and playing in front of a live audience. It's this bit like who wouldn't even know that this, this is a thing that, that the headliners always come out and have a lot of volume. I mean, it's such bullshit. Oh, right, Billy? yeah. I mean, Ego <laughs> ramps that you can't walk on. Yeah. They got all oh, kind yeah. of tricks, man. You mean you've, you've, you've seen bands say you can't use my ramp. That's yeah, our yes. ramp. Oh, oh, <clears throat> yes. come on. And what do you think I did? You walked right you on. You used it. <laughs> right. First thing. <laughs> That's what you do. Wow. 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 Yeah. Well, can't I go mean, here. It's... Don't do this. Don't say that. <laughs> right. Yeah, Thank you. All. Thank you. I didn't even have that idea until you gave it to me. <laughs> so when Billy called you and said, let's do a tour together, he was like, and no more bullshit. We're not going to pull any. Kind yeah. Of no, this is the first time I've ever come. Uh, anyone's ever come to me and said, let's do this tour. Let's build it together. Let's do like the scenes. We'll share all of this so that we can put together a, a truly great show. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think you were really perceptive, Howard. You're on it. Coming it's out, what the world needs. Coming really. out of COVID, I think that's what people really need to see is, is us together cooperating yeah. at the highest possible level Unity. with no limitation. Yeah. I said to Perry, and I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. I said on the phone, I want you to give me your absolute best every night. So it's hard to follow you. I want wow. to Oh, that's great. I mean, and, and, uh, you know, you pick up the phone, you call Perry, you never know what he's going to say, right? I mean, he could have just said, uh, I don't know. He could have said, let's go now. looting. <laughs> let's go yeah, looting yeah, with got, the dogs. I mean, you yeah, know, I'm I mean, still, who knows? I'm still you got really. An hour to kill. Yeah, I'm still trying to. <laughs> I hear there's a riot down the street, you know. I don't know if you got any time. But. <laughs> Oh my God, it's great! Listen, you guys have a lot to. Do you guys, when you get together as friends and over each other's house homes for dinner, you guys ever talk about your belief in UFOs and aliens? Because Perry believes in aliens. He believes in alien life form. We know we make great pets. Uh, and and Billy, you are a big fan of telling people we are not alone <laughs> in the universe. The pyramids were built by aliens. Alien technology. Two of you must have some crazy fucking conversations. I don't think we've um, ever talked about UFO. I think we talk. Uh, if we, if I had to pick one subject we talk most about, is probably God. Yeah. God. Yeah. 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 Torah. Did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever we both tell? Study did, Torah. You did. Did you, did, did, I, Billy? I, did you ever tell uh, Perry the shapeshifter story? No, I've not told him that story. Uh, I've only told. Honestly, I've only told a few people that story. You told me that story. And let me tell you something. When is that book of yours coming out with that story? I'm going to buy that book. But you've been working on it for 10 years. Where's the book already? I know. I know. It's awful. You you better get motivated on that. Well, listen, guys. What a great morning. You guys sound great. It was a lot of fun, Howard. Thank you, Howard, as always. And thank you, Robin. You know know what I'd like to see on the tour? I just had a thought. Why don't the why don't you guys all come out on stage together and do a cover version of something together? Like 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 Billy Perry playing, you know, trading off vocals or maybe harmonizing with one another. Yeah. What do you think of this idea? Come on, Billy. I love the idea. I love it. You love like it. it? What song could yeah, we sing? No, I don't together? like it. I love it. I love it. Uh, what Rocket song? Man. <laughs> Rocket Man. Would it be Rocket Man? What would it be, Perry, that the two of you could do together? Uh, Pick maybe someone, the man what's your who favorite sold song? the world. Oh. The man who sold the world, right? Except, yeah, I, mean, I immediately go, when he says that, I immediately go to Nirvana already kind of did a great cover of it. So that makes me want to avoid it. Not because I don't love Nirvana. It's just like, 
I try not to cover songs that other people have done a great version of. You don't well, want to I'm, t- I'm just thinking about uh I'm just thinking yeah. about the guy who wanted me to sell Lollapalooza. I'm like, fuck yourself. I'm going to change the lyrics a little bit. The man who wouldn't <laughs> well, well, sell the world. <laughs> Billy, what song? You're you're a uh, musical genius. Perry's a musical genius. Why not? You oh, got these great you. musicians thank with you. you. What song could you guys do together? What about Starman? That Perry on Starman would be incredible. You on Starman too. Yeah. I can't hit that note. He can hit that note though. We're actually yeah, you know honestly I did have this thought myself, Howard, and I thought that we should do a Bowie cover. It's crazy that we're all talking about yeah. it. We thought to do it and we actually I don't wanna break your heart, but we were going to, but we're both very much perfectionists and yeah. the thought of doing three <laughs> songs was great until we got into this rehearsal last night and um it's not so easy to just learn a song right then and there and be great when somebody's been singing it for what 30 almost 40 years and so we decided not to try to do it killing me but that means that you've got to come and see the show. <laughs> Wait a we second. Will do it. And we are will you give telling you credit me, for the idea. Boys, are you telling me that last night you did a rehearsal? You worked yeah. on a David Bowie cover. No we, no, we never got there. No, we never got there. But we talked because about getting there. We were spinning out just trying to get our sound right yeah, dialed yeah. in. And I we see. just decided, let's put the time into the two songs that we do. Oh, and they And they both came out pretty good, right? Yeah, no, they, they guys sound great. Thank you. How long does it take to prepare a song? Like, like longer than you got, think. Longer it, than you would think. Yeah. Why? Because when you do, a, okay. Because I'm going to say it to you. Because I'm going to I'm going to say it to you like you're non musician. Okay. Right. I'm the not. problem when you do a cover of a famous song is we have the song in our head. Yeah. So we're comparing ourselves the entire time to the version that we love. Because yeah. usually you're covering a song you love that you can't beat it. You can't beat it. So you're thinking like. Oh, this sucks. But it's not because you suck. It's just because you can't get over the fact that it's not as good in your as the right. one in your mind. So, right. I see. So if you like, uh, you they can't did a, possibly love it like James, more than the thing that you love. Like you James know? did a great cover years ago of Ripple, a Grateful Dead song. But, but what's so beautiful about it is they do the James Addiction version of the song. Yeah, they that's do what the, you got to do. Yeah, it t- but it's not. It's not something you just snap your fingers on. Right. You got to make it your own. Yes. You got to actually take it away from what it was, so that becomes more difficult. You actually show point. more love for the song by doing your own version than just doing like a, a karaoke cover. And it's safer too, because then you can't be exactly compared. Like, well, what are you thinking, man? I'm not. I'm not trying to exactly be like that. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to be different. So you guys would never take, I'm going to call it the risk. You're two of the riskiest guys I know, but you wouldn't take the risk where if I said to this band right now, let's do Starman and see what happens. You would, would never say, do that. I, you'd have to give me the lyrics, and I, they have to be big font, you know. There's <laughs> right. lots that goes into this. Right, we right. Could fake, you know, we, could make, we could fake a version of something, but it probably wouldn't be very good. Yeah. What would you fake if you had to fake a version right now? Even though it Suffragette City. Yeah, that's wow. what we, that's what we were we were talking about. Yeah, stuff. No kidding. Oh, I would have loved. Or that Rebel Rebel. A... You know, we were talking oh. Bowie, man. I'm telling you. You don't you think the best Bowie album was? And he he didn't even like this album, Bowie. But when he did live from the Philadelphia Forum, you remember that live album, double yes. set, seventy oh, seventy four, yeah. right? Nineteen seventy four. Tower, Tower, Tower Theater. Soul, White Soul. Yeah. He played yeah. saxophone. 
Yeah, but he hated that album. He didn't. I don't think he liked it. Hmm. It was one of the best well, albums I ever owned. Hardest critic, I guess. Oh, what a tortured life for everybody. Yeah, maybe it's poor David Bowie. Yeah, must suck to be him. <laughs> yeah. Hello, David. It's the cab driver. Uh, how you doing today, David? <laughs> Yo, David. Perry said to Yo, give you a call. <laughs> Perry was wondering what song of yours you want him to cover. Uh, if you got any suggestions. Well, what are you guys gonna? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, when I when I did the uh, event, trying to think what I did was a uh, rebel rebel. You did. Shit, I wish I would have done it here. But all right, listen, those two songs sounded great. I'm I'm excited to see the Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction together on the Spirits on Fire tour. And where were you going to go? You, you know, L.A.'s got to be a big market for you guys, right? Especially Hollywood uh, Bowl. Hollywood Bowl in L.A. Yeah, because uh, KROQ used to play your music nonstop. Though. That radio station broke broke you guys, right? KROQ in Los Angeles? Yes, yeah, K Rock. Yes, I would just think that's a big. They, one. Let, the they big never one? let us forget it either. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he had to go and do no, everything. The guy's moved on now. He's over at um, Spotify. Yes, I heard. Yeah, uh, that guy was a genius. The program director over there, Kevin the Weatherly. You, Kevin Weatherly. You remember the good old days of radio, Howard? Though, like, yep. hey, if you wash my car, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's stuff? crazy about that? What Perry's saying, Kevin Weatherly. Now imagine you're a program director of a radio station. And you make all this money for the company, and you have some ability to figure out what everyone wants to listen to. They threw him out like yesterday's garbage, Kevin Weatherly, at that radio company. They didn't. They wouldn't even give him a raise, and uh, that's why he's over at Spotify now. Mm. Did his dad own the radio station? <laughs> no. Didn't his dad own the? Wasn't his dad? No. No. He was just a talented <laughs> no? programmer. Yeah, I'm telling you. Oh, he 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 did have a good song picker, as we like to say. Yeah. He sure did. All right, listen. I've kept you. I could talk to you guys for ten hours, but then you'd be unconscious on the Just floor. Just think of all the stories that we haven't told you. Let's save it. Let's do. <laughs> let's do it again, Howard. Let when Anytime. we go to New York, we'll, we'll stop in at your place. Can we oh. do that? But Howard yeah. doesn't come we'll out of do... the bunker, though, right? You never come out of the bunker anymore, right? Guys, you're you're living your lives. I see no masks, nothing. I'm still afraid of COVID. I'm afraid. <laughs> Have you guys had it yet? No, yeah, I've had it like fifteen times. <laughs> <laughs> Have you really? And you're okay, right? I think so. Oh God, yeah. I've been with I've four re- women at a time, and I still haven't gotten it. <laughs> you're That's the secret, to Howard. Everything, Perry. That's the secret. That's how you avoid yeah. COVID. I know. You got to be with four women. <laughs> I know, Billy. You're too monogamous. That's your problem. That's true. That is my problem. You know, we do have to get I together again. We have totally to get together. You know what? Even like we could probably do an hour on other crimes Perry has committed. <laughs> Load of them. Like we could go through all. Wait a minute. Everything. We got to make sure the statute of limitations is. We don't want him yeah, carted yeah, right. away. There you go. <laughs> See, Perry, you never Robin killed anyone with that gun. You never shot anyone with the gun, right? You never, uh, you, you, you were walking around. Not that he recalls. Uh, um, no, <laughs> Not to the I, best of his recollection, right? Isn't that no, it? a bullet has never landed in anybody that I shot. But I have right. shot oh. at someone accidentally <laughs> oh, a time or two. <laughs> you did shoot someone accidentally a time or two. I didn't shoot him. I didn't, nobody bled. Nobody bled. I didn't oh, hit the oh. mark. Oh, good, good. All right. Well, uh, and I don't like. Well, I guns hope you've anymore. given that up. You're not. Have you given that guns up? Uh, no, I don't like anymore. guns anymore. I stopped uh, packing. 
Stop it. Oh, Perry, I wanted to say to you, stop by my place anytime as long as I'm not there, okay? Because I'm a little <laughs> nervous with the guns and the stealing and everything. But listen, I know, I'm looking I at your guitars it. thinking I would really love to fucking have that guitar rack back there. Here's the funny thing. <laughs> I, I'm not a musician. I don't play guitar. And yet on the set, there are guitars. And it makes no fucking sense. And I've All complained right, I'm about it. I'm definitely coming and getting those guitars then. I'm going to mail them, them to you. No, they're yours. So you can have they're them. I don't even know if they're gorgeous. real. They might yeah, be they fake. Be replicas real. of something. I don't know. I'm not even sure they're real. Listen, you guys. You sound great. You look great. What can I say? The Smashing Pumpkins. Jane's Addiction. Beautiful bands. Out on tour together. See the Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction Spirits on Fire Tour. Go to smashingpumpkins.com slash tour for tickets and info. Uh, you've heard these two beautiful gentlemen today. Your band sounds great. Boys, you sound great back there. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Listen, I guess that's it, guys. Beautiful morning. Thank you for being here. Good I love to you see guys. you again. Thank uh, you. Thank you. God bless everyone. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll see you on tour. There they go. Look All at right. the Two legends. Two legends not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. Outrageous. Stupid. How could that be? Just ridiculous. Right. Well, that's something. Those are beautiful boys. All right, listen, oh, we're going to. Uh, so I, much I appreciate fun. Yes. them. So great. I, I can talk to them for. I, I can't. I'm still not sure. I heard him say he saw a riot and said, "Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> we're so the opposite, you and I. <laughs> I see. I saw someone stealing a bicycle once, and uh, Robin and I drove away. Robin told me to jump in and stop it. I said, no, I said, I'm not. Howard, what are we going to do? He says, I'll show you. <laughs> and we drove away. I said, Robin, you first. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, thanks, guys. And uh, thank you to everybody. And we'll see you next time.